The Four Horsemen are back. We ride again. This is the show where we don't have a set schedule, as you are aware. You must summon us. It is only in reaction to big news within the esports industry. Frankly, uh, in some ways, I would be happy if this show never, ever happened again. And you know what's funny is when we when we came up with this concept, we discussed how often do we think this show will actually happen? And uh, we hoped maybe like once a month. It's it's now getting into the, the position where stupid things are happening. People ask for every week, don't they now, Monty? I noticed that. Include horrible, two words that describe yeah, esports yeah. to a team. Stupid yeah. and horrible, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, fans. Listen, I know drama is fun, but we can't do an episode of this every time Reginald tweets. It, like, it's not possible. He's doing it too much. <laughs> stupid and horrible also applies to Reginald's tweets. Yeah. We, we, we have to wait for it to reach, like, a collection so that we can go through them all at once, right? And that's that's kind of the thing about this show is it's like it took it took several things occurring for us to talk about this Activision Blizzard stuff. It was the layoffs, the the Bobby Kotick CEO bonuses, and also, frankly, just a staggering amount, I feel, of misinformation that was being passed around about this. And because for those of you who haven't been paying attention, this goes back all the way to the formation of CDL and Overwatch League and the expectations that were set then. So you have to really kind of dig into the past, you know, back to 2016, 2017, and talk about uh, how the teams were sold, the business model that was set up. And I think people will be surprised by at least uh, some people's opinions on this, because in my mind, this is a course correction that is actually good for Overwatch League and CDL, but it also shows that the expectations that were set were never really going to be met in reality. So this is the return to reality moment, I think, if you will, especially for, for Overwatch League, which isn't a bad thing because we want we want leagues to be profitable. We want leagues to be successful businesses, but it also reveals kind of the cracks in the original foundation uh, that were that were present and are now actually being addressed. So, uh, aka goes to... the pyramid of lies, <laughs> <laughs> as Richard calls it, as Richard as Richard might say, which uh, you know the the foundation of that pyramid was the Morgan Stanley report, the infamous Morgan Stanley report. Still, still not made that public. I think uh, it's on God, the dead it? man's drive. It's on the dead man's drive. <laughs> oh God! So so yeah. since since Richard, um, you have seen the Morgan Stanley report. You have seen the Illuminati document. Let's start there. I think that's a good. Oh, by the way, Doe is joining us. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention that he's yeah, the fourth horseman. I'm, I'm the horseman of <laughs> kindness and reason. I will fail. I will fail. Uh, yeah, the, the, let, let's be real. The concept of the show means that the fourth horseman's like riding behind us on like a little little donkey. You know, I'm just it's like guys. Like, maybe they didn't mean the worst with that, and it's like I'm the yeah, horse, human I'm like, scum and evil like, incarnate. The other one's been like, hmm. <laughs> well, I'm, it's fun to watch, I guess. Yeah, I'll, you guys are doing great. I'll, I'll yell yeah, down um, from my horsemen. Uh, but by, uh, yeah. by the way, to our lovely uh, producer, Andrew, apparently people in the chat are saying I'm quiet, which I, I'm happy to shout, but if you can turn me up, I'll, I'll probably be shouting and then I'll be too loud. In the <laughs> All right, so so I do think we have to start with, with the expectations that were set because yeah. uh, it this all kind of comes back to what the original plans for Overwatch League were, which were obviously extremely ambitious um and what the reality of a pandemic world is and the kind of current state of affairs and and what that means for the leagues going forward because there's like i said there's been so much misinformation people are like assuming that there won't be events which is just 
wrong. Like there were definitely will be live events, but I'll explain kind of the process and um, Doa will also explain kind of our experience of being in that and, and how things are shifting uh, into, I would say, uh, a more, um, you know, potentially profitable future rather than uh, relying on a system that would definitely lose a bunch of money and be very bad, I think, for the esports scene. So you want to start with what the Morgan Stanley report is, because that is very interesting. Yeah. So back before the league sort of took off, um, you know, Activision Blizzard made it abundantly clear that for this project, because of how high they were aiming and how much money it was going to cost to invest into, they basically told a bunch of esports people, actually, this isn't really for you. You're not going to be involved. They actively went out and said that to, to some of the orgs. Um, big orgs as well, right? We're talking yeah, like huge League of Legends yeah. orgs and big, stuff. Big, yeah. Because they didn't think they'd be able to do the capital raise required. I mean, they knew very early on they were going to be talking about maybe 15 million minimum to buy into this league. So, coincidentally, let's say, uh, Morgan Stanley have decided, you know, Morgan Stanley, the big investment bankers, they've decided to create a document uh, where they analyze whether or not this is going to be a good idea. And this was circulated among lots of high level, approximately about 50 sports and VC firms and organizations. Now, I was able to acquire this document at the time. And um, my the reason I never made it public, just so people know, was because because it, it was a white paper, there's like some fucked up legal argument that it yes. can count as property. And it wouldn't be Activision Blizzard's property, it'd be Morgan Stanley's. Like, I'll put heads with Activision Blizzard all day. <laughs> once, once the investment <laughs> bankers start coming for you, you know, things start getting a bit a bit murky. Because you have to like pay to buy the report, right? I think it's like, isn't that yeah. 10 grand or something to buy the report? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I don't I don't even know how much it was. Like I never I never looked into it. Uh, okay. I, I, I you know, I, I think the report was circulated to potential investors for free, actually. Oh, but, fair enough. Okay. But uh, maybe it's just but, outsiders had to buy it or something. Yeah, but it was obviously not for public consumption. But anyway, I acquired a copy of it and, and it's one of the funniest things i've ever read it's so uh you know d disjointed it's so divorced from the reality of esports that i would go so far as to say it's it's malfeasance to sort of even present yes. to potential investors that's do you want to give some I, examples of sort certainly, of certainly i've actually brought yeah. it up in front Let's of do me. It. It's, it's never far from my thoughts guys um <laughs> so yeah i mean for by, by way of a for instance um they 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 were saying that um they believed let me get the merchandise they were like saying that you know you would like 50 percent as much as 50 percent. to be fair this was in the um the the i think the bear case i'm not too sure uh, but anyway the, the, be the best case that, that they presented they were saying they believed that 50 uh, sorry the bull case i should say rather 50 percent of um potential players would buy some form of either digital or real life merchandise now anyone knows about esports that that is just patently fucking false and even the most successful esport like league of legends is rely you know their business model relies still on kind of almost like the freemium whales model and actually the conversion rate of buying merchandise at live events isn't particularly high and isn't the significant revenue stream a lot of these organizations will also tell you just in the esports space digital stores make negligible amounts of money unless you're something like a G2 and you absolutely cr or a hundred thieves and you absolutely crush it in that department. So where they pulled those numbers from, I don't know. Then on top of that, they were making comparisons to the WWE saying this is an entertainment product that can have the same kind of viewerships, the same kind of revenue. 
which is fucking nonsense. How long's wrestling been around for as a, as a sport? Think about everything that's gone into that historically. So it, it is a huge contrived work of fiction that was just designed to make naive people with money essentially invest. Into By the, the way, maybe, maybe you have the stat here. The one that I remember off the top of my head when I read it was there was some mad line where they made the base case as in like, this is what we just expect will happen. If it's not good, it's not bad. They made the, unless I'm mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. The base case was for viewership was based on some mad logic. Like when they surveyed fans of Overwatch, you know, like 40% had said that they would watch a league. Therefore, yeah. they took as the base case that 40% of all players in the world of the game yes. would be viewers. Therefore, you'd have tens of millions of viewers instantly. Mm -hmm. Something yeah. absurd. And like yeah. I say, that wasn't the fucking ball case. That was the basis for... Uh, I'm Again, I'm well, going to something years which, 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 by the way, like to put this in perspective, like when we talk about great you know one of the big problems in esports is converting players into esports viewers and conversion is extremely low most of the time it's probably highest in csgo but if you consider the fact that league of legends is played by hundreds of millions of people around the world and we're getting like a few million for a for a, a world final like you're talking like a one percent two percent conversion rate right so yeah. it's not awesome is but my point I'll so get to the, say I'll get to the point crazy. that's yeah. There's I'll get to the point done, that's but... that's relevant to where we're gonna go, and that is that. And that's the one I've got up on my screen right now. So apologies if those numbers were a little bit fuzzy. This is all legit. Um, so they told the investors that ticket sales was going to be the fourth largest revenue stream from the Overwatch League. You know, behind TV broadcast revenue, etc. And they placed it on a scale of the worst case would generate four million, right? And the best case would generate 49 million, which would be kept between 90% of the revenue, they said, would be kept by the team owners. And they said, how did we arrive at our worst case scenario? In our base case, we assume the average event will host eight teams from Friday to Sunday in a mini tournament with average regular season attendance of 18,000 people. And we estimate this will represent 5% of a local fan base in an average city with an Overwatch team. Yeah. And obviously those numbers came from the 40% number, which then, because you have to remember that they have geolocation data of their players. So they were probably looking mm -hmm. at markets and then applying that number to how many, you know, you can see how they arrived at these numbers, but it's a, it's a misread from the get-go on the conversion of players to esports fans. By the way, just for context, just for fans who are maybe from a sporting background, the Staples Center has a max capacity of 20,000 people, where the LA Lakers play, the LA Kings play. Like, they were just going to... So their logic is these events, like local events for OWL, will just fill a Staples Center with paying fans every yeah. week. And, every and, week, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I'm glad you brought that up because they even used the comparison of, of a League of Legends event having st sold out the Staples Center. Yes, season three worlds. another president yeah. for this revenue stream. Slight difference. That was fucking worlds. So and it was the final as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slightly different. Uh, so um, you, you, you can see immediately how far-fetched this document was. And this is why now that they're talking about publicly not, you know, hey, maybe we just do it all online. 
people invested into this league on the basis that live events would make up the bulk of one of the bulk revenue streams of the return that that would pretty much all go to owners 90 percent of this revenue stream it's not like what they're doing with the merchandise and shares it's not like the 50 percent off the top for the tv revenue yes. going straight to activision blizzard 90 percent of this revenue stream is going to the team owners now it's not happening i hope everybody can figure the fuck out how angry these owners are going to be by the way, just to present, like, again, I'll, I'll do the, like, the devil's advocate. From talking to owners, this is why so many of them, even savvy people in esports, were horny as fuck to get into this league. Because what they thought is, like, listen, some of them knew those numbers are sort of fugazi, right? But they were like, right, I'll make some money off the ticket sales. Okay, I'll recoup some of the cost yes. of the event. I'll make some money off the shirt sales if I have popular players. But then they were thinking, the geolocation, though, that's where I can break esports apart. Because imagine if instead of competing with everyone in North America for, like, Intel sponsor, imagine if instead, it's like back in the days, if you were in the 90s watching, like, local cable, if you were a Bulls fan, then on the cable where you're watching the regular season game it's going to be like a tire place that's in chicago it's going to be a pizza place that's in chicago so they were thinking imagine all the grassroots sponsors and esports you know instead of us all fighting for the biggest ones that you know just giving like a pittance to esports i'll just get all the local people and this will be the new sport so i get why some of them like that sounds like if like that's a brilliant dream to sell someone if you could do it the problem is like whether you could ever have done it obviously right right a little bit of i think you saw a little bit of that he did. starting to come through for sure so I, I think it was there um you know it's obviously it, it i had the same concerns when i saw that they were moving more to online where it's like well the team the team owners aren't gonna be happy i think i even tweeted something about that but it's but then i was kind of thinking about it more too and you know it's kind of a matter of well, what do we need to do to survive this league is going to exist and then also our is the money that's not being spent putting on these live events going to offset the money that wouldn't be made from that anyway so i don't know i can't imagine the team owners are happy about it moving more to online but i wonder if long term this yeah. is better for the league's survival yeah you have to remember too that part of what was part of the sale even to endemic team owners who come from esports um was that it was unlocking a new revenue stream within esports which was local events right because right. that is something yeah. that hadn't happened uh before so part of you know people when they look at the cost of an Overwatch League franchise, have to remember that there was supposed to be an additional revenue stream. And this is why, uh, you know, the pandemic hit Overwatch and CDL particularly hard, much mm -hmm. harder than than most other esports uh, because of this reason. Right. And it, it really you really have to keep that in mind when we have this conversation, because it when you take everything together, it, it's not like you know, a lot of these, the esports owners that bought in were very savvy in this space, right? And they realized like, like what Richard and Thorne are saying that it, the Morgan Stanley report and the information that they were given were not accurate, but there were still reasonable expectations about what they could expect, right? Sure. Um, and what they what they could do. And, you know, the other issue is that even if, you know, to even if there were local events, and like the the kind of the progress of of Overwatch League was very interesting, because as as Doa can talk about, it was never supposed to be in LA when we signed our contracts. It right. was supposed to be like a WWE style traveling yeah. show. Move around. Well, when we signed that too, we yeah, were we were planning on doing like maybe a year or two in LA, like at least one year, maybe two years, and then we could kind of live wherever we wanted, like. 
you talked about moving to Colorado. I was talking about, you know, well, maybe I'll sell, stay in LA if I like it, or I can move back to Minnesota because I've got a lot of family there and they've still got an international airport. So yeah, our, our plan was to only be in LA briefly with this, you know, obviously well, it, was, it was not to be in LA at all at first. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. At the very beginning. It was, yeah, it, yeah. It was supposed to be like every weekend we're in a different city and it wasn't right. like From every team yeah. would have home games. It would be like, mm -hmm. okay, all the teams are in Seattle and all the teams are in LA and then all the teams yeah, are in New traveling. York. And this was another, this was another aspect of it where the team owners, you know, they, they made uh, uh, strides towards achieving this goal. There was an expectation that everyone was going to have a stadium, a venue rented and mm -hmm. essentially have a production area for the broadcast in their home stadiums so it could be the right. traveling roadshow. And so again, we get to this point where these layoffs combined with this now, hey, we're going to move it to online. There's been so much expenditure already put in to creating this world where the homestand business model is definitely coming. It's definitely coming. It's definitely coming. And now it definitely isn't coming and the league will die. Um, I don't see any way back for it from this <laughs> right. point. Wow. I'll disagree um, with you there. <laughs> um, like these guys have literally pissed all their money up against the wall. It's already so bad that behind the scenes, they said to Activision Blizzard, because the homestand model isn't going to fucking happen, um, we want to get some of our investment back. And Activision Blizzard directed them at the fucking PPP loans you can get for COVID relief. That was a real thing that happened. So... It's an absolute farce what's going on. Basically, the central premise of the league is now not going to happen, it looks like. They've said, we're still going to do the occasional live event, but that is not the homestand model, and that model was key to this league being a success. Yeah. Yes, on the old business model. We have to assume, based on what's going on and the decisions that they're making, that they're changing the business model, right? Like, we don't know, for example... Uh, if they've reduced the franchise fee payments, we don't know if they've changed the revenue sharing structure. Like, there's a lot of stuff they can do, and I imagine they are doing in, in this scenario. Well, they want to keep make the teams this involved. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they they definitely have to make it work. And you'll notice also that they have, like, removed, you know, Pete Plastelica from the situation. They hired a yep. new CEO from MLB. Uh that, so they're clearly trying to change the management, right? Mm. And they're clearly trying to shift the business model. And, you know, I, I we'll get into, you know, I think why I'm much more positive about what's going on uh, than you are, Richard, in a minute. But the homestand model, the, the, to take it through what it was supposed to be, to continue this line, was when, when Doe and I signed our contract, we were told it's going to be, a, you know, this traveling show for the first year or two. Then it was, we're going to be in LA, like Doe said, for the first year or two. Mm. And then it was... You know, with some homestands here or there. And the homestands that existed in Overwatch League have been very successful. Like they're, they, they were, were great. sold yeah. out. They were, the, it was insane. Like the atmosphere was Wait great. a second. Wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. If you're going to say things like they were sold out, that means you sold the tickets. The tickets cost money, Monty. Now, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and guess, and I didn't even look into this, but I'm sure Richard's going to corroborate. I'm going to guess if I go and look up some of those homestands, I'll find that like maybe a radio station gave away some tickets. Maybe fans in the local area were given free tickets or a school was invited to something. I know the way these tricks work. So was anything like that going on, Richard? Were these real uh, sellouts like 8K people uh, buy uh, tickets uh, to a uh, ab event Absolutely. So like just to talk about the one that, uh, where, that the league was very keen to lie about publicly, um, well, rather, actually, they had Dallas Fuel do it. Um, the, the Dallas Fuel homestand game was being heralded as like, oh, you know, we, we had 9,000 fans in attendance in some press releases, which was two days of 4,500, by the way. So a lot, a lot like of them... Five. 
Yeah. A lot of them would have been overlap. And, yeah, there was a GameStop promotion where if you went and bought any product of any value from the GameStop, I think it was, round the corner from the venue, you were given a free mm. ticket. And you all I'm going to say would... is GameStop almost went bust recently, so... <laughs> Oh no! That's a was joke. It a game, actually, was it a game? Yeah, no. was game it a they were ahead of the curve, actually, on that one. I guess. <laughs> was it, a, it? It might have been a Best Buy, actually. It was, okay. it was one of the two. It was one uh, of the two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but anyway, basically, yes, a ton of tickets were given away for that, and on top of that as well, they intimated very strongly that they made a profit on the venue. Nobody, people at Activision Blizzard, reached out to me to tell me there's no way that could be true. So. You know, it, right. it, it, it's smoke and mirrors, smoke we're, and mirrors. That's per usual. We're, we're getting, we're getting to some of, we're getting to some of the issues. But sure. th- th- these, these events were, at least in terms of the enthusiasm, the seats being filled, uh, the atmosphere of the venue were very high energy. They were, they were fun to be at, frankly, as a caster, oh, yeah. um, and they, uh, they appeared at least to be successful, right? Mm. And so. But these were, you know, once a month. And so the thing about the homestand model was you have to remember that this whole thing was, especially in year two, was headed towards this eventuality where the homestand model was going to be implemented in 2020. But what that meant was that each team was going to have like 10, 14 homestands, right? So it's going to be full home and away games. And the owners at this point were like, no. No, don't do this. Like this isn't feasible, right? And yeah. so they changed before the pandemic to having like a couple home stands simultaneously in different locations with like, you know, 10 teams each or something like that, which I think is much more reasonable based on the evidence that we had from these previous home stands. So I don't think the home stand model is going away. And I think people need to, you know, it's not they they still want to do the live events, right? There is proof that this can work for Overwatch League in particular. It's just that they're not going to be running full home and away like was originally proposed. They're not going to be running even multiple home stands on the same weekends, I doubt. So it'll be more like, well, we're going to play, at least during the pandemic, online right now. I would think, and what I would do if I were them, is to switch to a LAN studio with no audience um, for hmm. you know the majority of the games, which I think is the, the sane way to do any esport right now. Um, and then you occasionally, you know, once a month, cause they're, they've also to their credit switched to this tournament structure. I think you can sell out a 5,000 person venue once a month for some tournament finals. That seems totally reasonable to me based on my experiences working with the Overwatch league. So I don't think the homestands are going away. I think that this is a shift and why you're seeing these layoffs occur, because this is the big piece of information that people lack about these layoffs. So when Doe and I were there at the end of 2019, they were hiring people like additional event staff, uh, producers, uh, uh, observers, right? Because they thought we're going to have two homestands in North America simultaneously. So we need people to operate both, right? (laughs) And now it appears that, you know, from my talking to people about these layoffs, the people who were laid off were kind of the, the, the secondary staff that we're supposed to handle these homestands. So it means that they're going back to like a single venue worth of staff, not that they're killing live events. Cause I think they, that would be hmm. silly. In terms of this premise though, of the concept of the Overwatch League, which from day one was always that eventually the whole premise of the geolocation was you would have events in a stadium in your home venue, wherever that might be in the world. I told you this, Monty. This is one of the things I did tell you about the Overwatch League. (laughs) That could never work. Because I said, think about it logistically. So how would you make a league... That's the entire world's best teams in one league. You are aware no sport has done that. 
Well, like, you can't even in European soccer get a true Super League. And that's, by the way, incredibly profitable for the top teams who would be in that league. So what I told you at the time was this, is they're lying because it has to be a compromise. Either it will be just like traditional esports, so it's in LA and you all go there, and you all live in LA like the LCS did, right? Or it could be a model like you all saying, WWE, you go from place to place to place. Yes. The problem with that, by the way, is then the obvious question no one asks is, but if we're only going to do 10 homestands and there's 20 teams, who gets a homestand? And remember, that was one of the principles around why geolocation was important. Because even though every fan took the big picture and goes, 20 million a spot. No, 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 no. Each spot was negotiated differently. And so I would go ahead and speculate an LA spot is probably worth a lot more than a spot in Atlanta, if I had to guess, right? So in this kind of a world... Reflected right, in the buy-in, by the way, yeah. Absolutely. That's why some of them were high. It was kind of like an average price, wasn't it? So in this yeah. scenario, right, I always was said the idea that they were ever selling the dream that they were really going to have it so that like the Shanghai Dragons would play a home game there and then they would fly to the rest of the world and they would play LA fucking gladiators and they knew it no that was the most ludicrous premise I've ever heard because it actually beggared belief for what sports actually is and I'll just add in as well just as a little detail in case someone doesn't follow Overwatch League how is that how are they doing with those spots that they bought LA Valiant right one of the best spots you could have they've literally just cut their whole roster and signed the most cynical like replacements level like that movie level like bomb players who shouldn't even be in the league. It's outrageous. <laughs> that is an entirely, I don't want to get into that yet. That's an entirely separate. <laughs> just a little detail. I'm sure that's going to come up later. The local uh, um, uh, LA Valiant are owned by Immortals Gaming Club, which is a uh, Flashpoint and B-Site partner team. So, by, so you I, know, I've got to reckon, right? To, as a disclosure, as a disclosure. I'll join in. So so we can talk about that later. But Timing's perfect for this show for me. Rich. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to, return, to return to your point, Thorin, the way that we had discussed that working internally at the league was this. So I agree with, with your, your concept, but the way that you can make something like that work is as follows. So in the stage structure, because each, each the way that the league was originally formatted was we would have these different stages, right? And so the concept that was being, that was being kind of like discussed was that we would have different divisions. So you'd have like, basically one division go to Asia for one stage and each of the Asian teams would be in their home stadiums and the rest of the teams would travel around to their home stadiums for four weeks, right? And then those teams would go back and then the Asian teams would come to the US West Coast and travel around those home stadiums, right? So there are ways to do it. Well, but we you have, have a to... whole schedule plan for, for yes. 2020 before <laughs> everything crazy. happened. Like, By the way, it, it was crazy, but it, yeah. they, they put it all together. Like you could see it working, you know? And I've actually got all, a news report yeah. here, by the way, of the numbers. Because this is another thing about it, Monty, that I said can't work. Is like, if they'd have said, on year 10, we'll be in the home cities, it'll be home and away. No, I've just pulled up an article now on The Verge in 2019, in July. And it says that for 2020, that the Blizzard Overwatch League will move to a home and away format, yes. like a special That's what league. Discussing. And then they That's say the plan, yeah. every single team will have at least two um uh, two of the Tomb Day homestands. Add it up. That's forty. That's mental. It was even. But what I was saying is that the original plan was that each team would host like fourteen home games. Mm, so yeah. that was the plan you're reading about is the later plan, That's which was that. Yeah. That was the compromised <laughs> the reduced one. Reduced plan. 
Yeah. And Here's the thing, Monty. I don't want to break your heart here, mate, but that was this is the thing. They never had a plan, mate. They just came up with what sounded good in 2018. Then they came up with what sounded good in 2019. Then they came up with... And heart. guess what they're doing now? They're trying to tell you, like they did at the end of this report, about how they laid off all these people. They actually say, by the way, whoever wrote it doesn't know English, because they say, is it true that you're moving 100% away from the homestands? And they go, on the contrary. Like, well, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> yeah, so you're okay. going back, well, we're entirely back at homestands then. Like, first of all, maybe no English if you're going to write in the language. And then secondly, <laughs> that they try to do that angle, which is the thing I hate the most in esports right now, where it's like, essentially, like, I'll give you an example. If I've just lost my job now and someone goes, well, won't your revenues go down this week, Thorin? I go, I actually anticipate they'll double. It's like, oh, well, let's just believe me then. You know, I don't know why that's a thing in esports, but just believing people at their word is still a thing in 2021, apparently. Anyway, I mean, back to this. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, the way that I look at this has been, I like, I agree with this, all the stuff you guys are saying, um, but it's, it, this is the, it took a while to adjust. And I, we're just telling you, like Doe and I, from being on the inside of it, the iterations that this occurred. And I feel like we have arrived probably at a place of sanity within all of this, but because you have to remember that in these scenarios, so like going back to the Morgan Stanley report, somebody has to be the bad guy to go to Bobby Kotick and say, uh, you know, Bobby, this really just ain't going to work. And like, Nobody really wants to do that, right? Well, so... you know why as well, Monty. I mean, <laughs> multiple people, you know, have um, tried, you know, internally tried to take that stand. And basically, everybody who works Activision Blizzard now knows this to be a rule. And I defy anyone to find anyone who says different. What Bobby Kotick wants is is the direction the company goes yes. in right now. You have mm -hmm. you have one person who is essentially dictating all the business decisions from the top, not listening to any expertise whatsoever. And and unfortunately, it's all vindicated because their metric of success remains share price. That is it. Share price was at an all time high. It was just announced last month. So all of these changes and all of these you know schemes that we endemically know are terrible for esports. None of it matters because Bobby Kotick has said, do these things, and the share price has gone up. It makes him look competent when, of course, he's just a greedy asshole. And 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 it makes everyone else look stupid at the company, frankly. By the way, to be of, fair, if listen, he is an asshole, but like I would just go with the obvious analogy. He is a tick on the ass of esports, sucking out the lifeblood. And what's before the tick? The KO. You lose consciousness when you're on this motherfucker if you're trying to live in the game. So whatever, etymology <laughs> jokes, keep going. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think the thing too is like the way that this was useful to Activision Blizzard is that they got to make an announcement to their shareholders at, at, at the, you know, the, their fiscal reports, right? Oh, we sold mm -hmm. franchises to all these sports owners mm -hmm. for X amount of money, right? And then later on, when they, they say, oh, we're just adjusting the business model in order to fit the audience, that doesn't knock the share price down that much because no. it sounds like a reasonable business decision. And you already got the, the big boom from the announcement that you made in the first place. So you can see why this is good for Activision Blizzard from a stock perspective, right? Yes, sure. perception is reality. Sure. <laughs> You're also so, making like three billion a year from Call of Duty or something too, right? So that probably smooths is, over some bumps this, as well. This is, this is the thing, right? When you when you criticize Bobby Kotick, somehow this guy has managed to continue to sell sixty dollar games in a market of 
free to play and games as a service. And he prints billions of dollars from Call of Duty every year. So he's clearly not an, like he's not an idiot. He's been the CEO for like 30 years or something. Monty, like he that. just got a $200 million bonus. He's not an idiot. I'll give you a really <laughs> sad fact about the world that I learned. If anyone's looking at the world of politics, maybe apply this lens next time, right? If I fuck up in my job, I get fired. If I fuck up with the numbers that I promised, I'm fired. I don't get hired again. If I fuck up and I lose money, I'm fired. I won't be hired for those. How come there's certain people in the world? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I've done it totally wrong. I'll take my bonus now. Oh, I've done it totally wrong. Stock price has gone up. Like, this isn't real life. Like, that tells you, by the way, that, like, essentially, you'd have to believe that he just tripped over, messed everything up, and then was like, someone just handed him a giant sack of money. Like, I'd love life to be like that, but I, I don't really believe that can be like that. But here's the thing is that even if, even if esports is such a small part of this business that compared to selling billions of dollars of Call of Duty, he is doing a good job. Like he's oh, still course, making yeah. in their, their, they last year they announced record profits, right? So mm. he is it, from the shareholders record number of layoffs as well. Yeah. <laughs> also <laughs> didn't pay the top talent. What, also didn't pay the top talent, like appropriate salaries to what they'd been on before while Pitt gets saying they had increased record revenues, by the way. Mm. Should we just bring that up yep. since people are in the chat? <laughs> <laughs> I, yep, <there's> that. I, <laughs> I felt that during my time with Overwatch League that I was very well compensated is is what I was. Why are you not there anymore then? <laughs> you know. Reason. Uh, <laughs> come on. No, He's no, trying to remember no, the reason. Uh, yeah, come on. I'll tell I'll tell you uh, because yeah, I've said it. it like many, many times in, in a lot of different interviews. You know, me, it, it was a, a pay decrease that they were suggesting that I didn't think was fair, especially after saying, oh, our viewership is going up. Look how wonderfully we're doing. Would you like a 25% pay cut with that? I'm like, nah, not really. But at, at the same time, you know, maybe the league wasn't doing as well as uh, they were playing out that it was right at the time as far as viewership goes move to youtube all that kind of stuff impending but uh and then also i had issues with some of the leadership the direction of the league was going in a lot of other ways i just didn't like working for the people that were above me which at the end of the day even if you are being paid pretty well if you're not having any fun you know why yeah, was you know and, and i the way i've never the stopped league. loving the game of overwatch sure. but uh, and i so i so honestly i play it pretty much daily still but you just can't, I just didn't want to be in that environment anymore, which is really kind of the main thing for me leaving. And and also, by the way, as of the latest round of layoffs, all of those people are gone yeah. now. So yeah. that is actually, so this is why one of the reasons <laughs> they why I'm actually, they have, they have purged the evil. Like, yeah. this is why I'm actually very positive about what's going on, because I think the changes that are being made are, are, are a return to sanity. And it seems like a very reasonable thing that they're doing. The people that they have uh, hired and maintained um, and the people they've let go all make sense. Uh, it, it, I mean, I w obviously, I wish it would have, this all would have happened sooner. There's, there's obviously some yeah. good people that were let go along with this that oh, we wish were yeah, still there. It's, it's not, bad, but... not everyone that was laid off was someone that was a problem for the league. But let there me... were people in there that, you know, I think I'm happy are gone. Let me, let me, let me just chime in, though, right? Like, you know, you know, framing it as a return to sanity is all well and good in terms of like, hey, fans. And, and by the way, fuck the Overwatch fans. I'm sorry for the people who lost their job. <laughs> when this league capsizes, I'll be tap dancing, not because of the people who lost their jobs, oh. but on the day for the fans, because they deserve fuck all. They're a deranged <laughs> cult of fucking idiots who don't even listen. Like, I don't know how many stories I've got to get right about this league. I've just read you the Morgan Stanley report and everyone's going, Richard Lewis isn't informed. You're all fucking mental. But anyway, 
So, so <laughs> anyway, but when you're talking about a return to sanity, that would be fine if the business model hadn't been sold as insanity in the first yes. place. Unfortunately, the only way the business model can deliver on what it promised to the people is the rampant insanity of 18,000 people in a fucking stadium, no matter what. Everyone who comes in, 50% are buying a shirt every day. Like, oh, I'll get another one. Oh, that's the blue one. I'll get the white one today and just throw in fistfuls of cash into a fucking league mm. for a game that barely anyone can watch properly because it's such True. a fucking clusterfuck nightmare. The idea that a, a team-based shooter was ever going to be the mainstream esport, by the way. Anyone who knows anything about this business will tell you that could never happen. But whatever. Morgan Stanley said it's like the WWE, so let's all throw 20 mil at it. So, you know, at the end of the day, like a return to sanity, yeah, that's great. I'll tell you about another esport that had a return to sanity. Heroes of the Storm. Where the fuck is that now? Gone. In the dead. asylum. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. a pretty good community <laughs> league that's turned around that game. Homeless. Yeah, it's, it's homeless wandering the streets saying, we'll, we'll have a tournament for money or something. <laughs> all right. All right. Anyone, yeah. anyway, anyone that can't see the parallels between where Overwatch is now and Heroes of the Storm is fucking legally blind. The end. I have a quick thing to say, though, because the problem here is, Monty, it's a return to sanity if people learn the lessons of what has happened and they're doing these things now with the changes for the right reasons. Here's my problem, right? If I'm Bobby Kotick, I have no reason to return to sanity. I'm doing awesome in my part. I'm not the Mark who bought the LA Valiant off me and has to now field Chinese replacements and pretend they're as good. I'm getting my money, mate. I just got 200 mil. That's like all your buy-ins combined. I'm loving the game, so why would I change my approach? As Richard has just said, it's like Riot in the early days. <laughs> early days. Culture of yes men. You can't say certain things, otherwise you're the guy whose arse is going out the door. So one of the problems I have here is, if I look what the mechanisms would be in this analogy to keep them sane, to keep them on the right path, stop them veering off again. One of them would be that the stock price can't go up when things are constantly going wrong in the league, right? Now, what controls the stock price? Consumer, uh, it's called consumer confidence, investor confidence, actually, in this particular case. Now, investor confidence, if people don't endemically know the space, would come from reporting in the mainstream news. You go and try and find articles in the mainstream news where an expert businessman says this will fail completely, where someone says like this cannot work on this model, where someone says you would never get those numbers, that's outrageous even for my sport, and in this particular game I've heard it's not even a top eSport in terms of people watching it. Go and find, by the way, what if someone did do their due diligence and they said, you know what, I'm going to come into eSports. Aside from Richard Lewis... Who are the investigative journalists who are doing loads of articles about all the flaws of the way Overwatch is structured internally in the company? The fact that these models cannot work, they don't exist. So as a result, it's like a conspiracy of silence among very powerful people in the mainstream media, probably friends and people who want passes to these events, etc. Yeah. All those twats who write every hit piece about people in these calls, about how we need to be removed, we're dangerous, they aren't writing about this topic because there's no money in doing that. You're not going to get 400,000 clicks for something about that. Like, it's not sexy in that particular scenario. So and, as a result, like, my problem is who's going to hold them accountable? Like, we can try our best, but the best we can do is a gong show every couple of years, isn't it? it I mean, honestly, like, that's... If I could say real quick, that's that's yeah. why I'm on the show right now because I, I really do appreciate what you guys are doing because it it does need to be done. Like, people do need to be objectively informed about the bad as well as the good, you know? At the same time, I love Overwatch, so I want to be on here to try to, like, temper <laughs> things enough. a little bit too well, because, so, you know, but, but still, yeah, I, I think... 
I think you deserve more. I, I, I also yeah. I, I also think that what you're going to see, by the way, Thorin, and what my anticipation of the, the end result of this is to answer like how this can bolster the stock price. So first off, they've already done kind of classic corporate moves in terms of changing the entire leadership. And that is that is inherently uh, uh, an admission that what was, you know, this guy, this new guy is coming. Tony is coming in to clean it up. Right. Because that's why he was hired. Otherwise, I'd also need to know things like how much does he get paid? Like, does he get paid a fall sure. for what the guy before? You know what? There's a lot of cynical ways you can always interpret these things. You know? uh, I think he's probably gets paid more if I had to if I had to guess. Um, uh, but I think what's going on is that when you to be fair, you, he works for the only company in the Overwatch League that makes money. The Overwatch League. <laughs> <laughs> when you, Activision does it. when so, you when you when you have this this situation i think what they really want to show to the, the shareholders is that overwatch league is making a profit and i think the next they're going to do everything that they can to make the league profitable so that they can announce that and we can sure. discuss what that means but i that is definitely where this is going if i had right? to guess right i don't know but when you say profitable <laughs> Wouldn't that mean that revenues have to go up something like 2,000% or something mental? It depends on how much you cut cost, isn't it? Which is what is happening because we see that. that that's what this whole show was based on the premise of. Oh, you mean the league, it. not for the teams, yeah. et cetera, right? Okay, fair enough. Then the league itself could be, mm. certainly. I mean, just as, just as a couple of points of information as well, like just to talk about, you know, this idea of investor confidence coming from the big media push. There is no doubt that Activision Blizzard has, you know, what I would consider almost like plants in the media. I don't want to get into like CIA, MK Ultra type stuff, but definitely there are a group of journalists that are unbelievably friendly to Activision Blizzard. And to put that in context, the point that a lot of people forget is when Heroes of the Storm was getting pulled, they told certain journalists first so they could have the article written up and frame it in a nice fluffy way that made Activision Blizzard like, oh, bloody hell, our hands are tied. Oh, what we're going to do? We're not supporting it anymore. They told the journalists first, all the people who were partnered teams who'd give it like, you know, and organizations who had invested heavily into the space. And even some people, because of this like week-long delay that they held it over for, some people had re-signed teams, re-signed, re um, you know, rent agreements with properties and everything. It was a fucking shambles. So, you know, some, the, the, the idea that there's journalists out there that want to, like, actually tell the truth about Activision Blizzard when you're talking about one of the biggest media companies in America, nah, they don't have the testicular fortitude for it, most of them. Uh, they'd rather just get a ticket to fucking BlizzCon and fucking, you know, write up PR under the guise of it being hard reporting. It's pathetic. Uh, I even think, the, by the way... that's the norm, by the way. As an aside, I even think one of the reasons they also avoid criticism is because they've played so hard into the walk angle. Because I'll tell you what, everyone loves to compare burgeoning sports to one of my favorites, mixed martial arts, right? You look at the rise of the UFC. Mm. The UFC was destroyed with bad press. I'm talking until like the 2010s. Like, you know, all those legendary people like, you know, Randy Couture and all those, like, mate, they used to be having like live things on ESPN. Like, it's just human cockfighting. It should be banned and stuff. Like, the idea that like, that's a massive company, by the way, which had literal people where I'll just say they're Las Vegas casino owners to keep myself safe. They had enormously powerful and rich people funding it. So why do they never get any bad PR? But the guy who controls this like media mogul position, a games mogul position of all these popular games and all these technicals, all magically he doesn't get the negative press. He just, it just doesn't happen for them. So I, I just personally don't believe like the media will hold them accountable. So essentially they have, they have to for real internally have the right people who are really going to push it in that direction. It's the only way it can happen. I don't think you can force them to do it, basically. They have to want to do it yeah. themselves. And and the second point is, right, like, I, and I don't know sort of how to break this to everyone, really, because I think, like, people don't understand this. 
the 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 share price has got fuck all to do with the Overwatch League, frankly. Activision Blizzard's overall share price, the success or failure yeah. of the Overwatch League barely moves the dial. That's the reality. They when they already got the bonus to the share price when they got the, the sports team owners to buy in because yes. that was the announcement. They're, they're, the huge cash injection. Now. Yeah, the huge cash injection combined with all the press that hey, And the second year they got even more for yeah, the second yeah. Uh, features, yeah. Here's 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 the revolution, you know, here's the revolutionary aspect of what we're doing in esports, and bam. Um that is, you know, that 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 press release does all of the hard work. Now, when they have an announcement like this, hey, we're cutting people, we're cutting staff, everybody should I really identify that as shrinkage and probably is the petering out of the league. This idea when you have to say we're not a hundred percent moving away from live events, what then? Ninety percent, ninety-five, eighty, you know, what's the percent? It's not a hundred, brilliant. Now what? Right? Let's talk about what the percent actually is, you dickhead. But we're not gonna do that because it's got to be facts light at all times. But the well, they probably it, it, don't it, even know yet, honestly, because we don't sure. really know what the COVID situation they, is. So because they probably, like Doran said, they never they probably don't have the info plan. right now. Yeah, yeah they never but, well, had a fucking plan. I don't think, I don't anyone think they ever did. Has a plan yeah. right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, who can have a plan around this? Yeah. But like I said, yeah. my, 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 my point simply is that if when they do shut down the Overwatch League and say, bloody hell, we were just too soon, we were just ahead of the curve, or, you know, and they go all in on CDL, which is clearly what's happening, because CDL, by, compa yes. by comparison, has been a massive success. So mm -hmm. why not take your research? It's a watchable game as well. Makes sense. I mean, I think you can make, I think you make an over, uh, uh, I think you can make a correlation between or maybe make the the claim that a lot of the overwatch league ended up being sort of prototyping for cdl yes testing yes. things out and then you know oh, is this gonna even work? some of the same orgs obviously bought into well, okay. essentially I, I think, that's something I think richard that said years ago which i think, I think he was bad on with richard yeah. said years ago that the whole premise was when they knew like overwatch the game just isn't going to get the viewers therefore the league probably cannot succeed then the next stage of the plan was Oh, listen, you don't want to just waste that 20 million you put in your Overwatch. Hey, come and buy this 10 million slot for C CDL. And you know yes. what? You hated it when you admit I made you make that new brand from scratch. What if now you're the optic, whatever they are? What is, where's optic in this? Florida? Chicago. Where, Chicago, there you go. Whatever it is. Like they actually got to took their real brand and therefore they could bring the fans. So as I put it this way, if we have a conversation about CDL, now I can see worlds where there's something you can do with that. Overwatch League, personally, I think it's so, just like a dead man walking. So I think like when we talk about CDL, just to discuss the, the process that happened. So first off, I want to say that all of the CDL owners that I have spoken to are very happy with the performance of the CDL. And they're extremely happy with uh, Joanna, the commissioner. Like there's been very nice things said about her. There's a, a lot of yeah. positive vibes yeah. around CDL. But the thing about CDL that was different was that uh, a lot of the owners in CDL, you know, people who had come from uh, previous Call of Duty, particularly people like Hastro or uh, Hector Hex, um, they were really pushing an MLG because remember that Esports Engine is which is the former MLG people are also involved with putting on these events. And so they were really pushing for the, the successful kind of like WWE tour model that had worked for CDL for many years. Mm -hmm. And the difference is, is that by the time like they had the the information from overwatch league at that time so it was a lot easier for them to say hey we know how to make this work in a successful way and also the youtube deal was perfect for call of duty because all of the viewers for call of duty were not on twitch they were on yeah. the the optic and phase youtube channels right which has enormous viewership so it was I've a much on youtube yeah yeah, it was a much like when when the YouTube deal was announced, I predicted that CDL would do better than Overwatch League simply because that's yep. where the COD audience is, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, Monty, uh, oh sorry, keep going, mate. I'll say after you. 
No, no, I, I just think that this the CDL is a good is a good idea that is actually being executed very well right now. I, and the owners are happy. Activision Blizzard is happy. And so what I see happening is like Overwatch League moving more into to like towards that model, which I think is sustainable. And this is important because as you guys have alluded to, esports is just such a small percentage of Activision Blizzard's total revenue, like tiny compared to Call of Duty. The fact they own King and Candy Crush, uh, you know, all of the Blizzard titles that are coming out, right? Esports is just a drop in the bucket. So what we want to see as people who love this industry is that it moves towards some level of sustainability. That is why I think what is going on is good right now. And I think the CDL is a successful Activision Blizzard esport that should be commended. One of the problems I have as well is, again, I hear areas basically where actual like hard stone cold hard facts aren't what determine the outcome. So, for example, if people don't know, when my boy Lopez always tweets about like Tesla and Elon Musk, I've told him a million times, look, you have looked into what you're saying, mate. you are 100 percent correct on some of the factual things you are saying. But that is irrelevant as to whether the stock price goes up. And if you know the certain connections and basically the symbiotic nature of how that company interacts with other companies and even governments, it's not like a normal company company, mate, you can't just think, well, this can't work, so it's going to fail. It's like there's a famous story where supposedly like AOL or something like was like should based on like all like business metrics have failed way earlier. But obviously the fact that like random people who didn't know the internet just knew AOL meant it for years and years, it kept going up and people were like, this doesn't make sense. So it's, here's the problem. Same mechanism again, perception is reality. Here's one of the reasons why it doesn't matter even if the viewership, here's the problem. Viewership, ticket sales, Jersey said that only matters to the mark who bought the Overwatch League spot. That doesn't matter to Overwatch League because here's the problem. How can Overwatch League trigger some of these bonuses and get things? Well, if they got a giant broadcast rights deal for $100 million, say, well, then you find out, well, why did they get that deal? The, the league doesn't justify that. Oh, but then you can sort of play hardball. Maybe I take everything from your station, your platform, and I put er all the teams agree to leave your platform if you don't give us this deal. Similarly with the YouTube deal. So the problem there is you've got a symbiotic scenario of people using perception where it's never true. They're both getting to do it. So what happens is, Twitch and YouTube get to go, well, I've got Overwatch League. That's a major property in esports, therefore. They get a ball press, they go up, and then Overwatch League gets to go, I sold it for 90 million. No one sells broadcast. The problem in this scenario is, like, reality can't stop these things. Like, that, that is still a cycle that will go on as far as I can tell. And the difference, too, about the YouTube deal that people, like, glossed over was that part of that deal, and I would guess a very large part of that deal, was... Activision or Blizzard as a company switching their servers that they use yeah. to operate the game from Amazon to Google, right? And so the way it was reported, because I suspect I don't know this. So this is this is me in, in my tinfoil hat. I suspect that what happened was that they packaged this as a larger deal than the Twitch deal because they didn't want to say that we sold media rights for less. But the bulk of that deal was in web services and not in media rights. But the way they spun it publicly was in terms of media rights. That's why, by the way, I call out the journalists, because even though they seem very mind, like they're not the ones who decide things, they're not the ones who decide if it succeeds in terms of fans. The problem is they are really a conduit to like, like sometimes even if we know what's going on, unless we have a direct source like you or Richard. Mm -hmm.
I mean, just as a point as well that was brought up, I want to do talk. I mean, I, I want to talk more about that YouTube deal specifically. Uh, I love how Hearthstone just got up, offered up some sacrificial. That's how much Activision Blizzard love their scenes. And uh, by the way, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, Hearthstone, that super popular game that helped us blow up on Twitch and actually was a big part of leveraging the Twitch deal. Um, yeah, we're just going to fucking throw that away on YouTube and now no fucker watches it. It's all right, no, no fucking you know, plays it. But I was like 95% viewership reduction on professional yeah, Hearthstone. Yeah, Prodan yeah. tweeted out those stats. It's it's wild. Like, and and I've it's got a lot of friends over there. I've done Hearthstone events. I love oh, those same. guys. You know, Brian yeah. Kibler, Frodan, they're masters of their craft. Um, and it, I did it, some it, of those it, events last year. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely tragic what's happened to Hearthstone. But anyway, let's just talk about... Content. By the way, just as a quick a comment yeah. on that, like just as a half joke, half food for thought, if you can't get a fan of Hearthstone esports to go from Twitch, which he knows... To YouTube, the most famous video platform in the entire world, how are you going to convince a guy who doesn't even know what Overwatch is to go to the stadium in Boston and watch it? Like, just food for thought. Just a little yeah. bit of food for thought so, for you guys there. So, One's on a fucking browser. I have to drive just, to the other one. Let's just talk a little bit about competence here because you brought you brought up uh, jo jo Joanna Farris, who is uh, obviously somebody that now is the head of all of the leagues. And there were so many good things being said about her over at the CDL. So let's analyze her experience. She is a graduate from Harvard University. She spent almost 12 years within the NFL where her job was marketing strategy and fan development. Right. And then think about how that interfaces with the CDL when she comes over and all the success they've had over there, the branding decisions they've made. Right. Now, mm. let's analyze Pete Plastelica. Right. Now, apart from this cunt. Oh, boy. Here we apart, go. <laughs> a, apart, apart from this cunt having a name like an 80s band. Proceed. Right. <laughs> What, what lead yeah, guitarist? What, what yeah yeah? What has he what has he really done? Well, everyone says oh he came from Fox Sports, the digital. Well, no. What people never tell you is he only went to Fox Sports in the first place because they bought another company called Yard Barker, which was a conglomerate a of like thousands of sports mm. blogs, and he was just part of that acquisition. He got a promotion. He didn't even last a year within that promotion before he got moved up to being the executive vice president of all digital marketing strategy. So literally. There's no reason to make that promotion at all. There's no in indicator he's going to do it. But he was just there, so they just did it. He spent about three years in that role and then jumped across to Activision Blizzard. Zero clue about anything other than a broadcast. He doesn't know about leagues. He doesn't know about ecosystem. And he, he, he certainly... About broadcast. He knows about blog networks. He yes, is, yeah. yes. Yeah, he certainly... Certainly doesn't. Which aren't even a thing anymore, words. by the way. That was some shit from my ten years and, ago. <laughs> and just to put it in context, because whenever I want a chuckle, I read one of the most cringeworthy endorsements ever, which exists on his LinkedIn page, which just simply says, "Pete holds a true entrepreneurial spirit to solve challenges and deliver disruptor ideas within the fast-paced world of media." I don't want fucking disruption from my executive. The yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What great disruptor ideas did he come up with? Yeah, which of his uncles wrote that? The, the whole fucking in league which relative so, yeah, wrote that yeah, yeah that was from john vlastelica actually no so oh, there we go. <laughs> so the the, the, re the reality is that like you had a guy who by the way when i was doing those exposes and what was going on behind the league his name came up time and time and time again as being a guy that would just piss everybody off right like veto every good idea and was a stark contrast um to what's his name who moved to epic nate nander uh, who yeah, was going cool the way yeah. right Nate. <laughs> yeah, we missed we missed Nate. Nate was when he left the head of the Overwatch League was just cut off and there was no brain.
at the top. So, so I'll, so I'll, I'll just say that, like, you, you know, Activision Blizzard definitely have to shoulder some of the burden because it's clear that they appointed a much more competent person to look over CDL than they ever did by making Pete Lestalica a commissioner. And I think that's reflective of the fact that he isn't even there anymore and he barely got a send-off, did he? Let's be real. You know, he ended up being a lesson that they learned, apparently. But, like, it, yeah. it was it was funny, like, because after, after 2019 with how that went, you know, a lot of the things leading up to, you know, Monty Knight leaving... Um, I was at a Hearthstone event in uh, January of last year, and uh, back when we had events, and uh, the the announcement, the big YouTube announcement, happened while we were there, uh, because leading up to the event, in the days up to the event, they're like, we don't know where we're going to be broadcasting on, so that right. was fun. But uh, yeah, but then in the announcement, they were like, oh, we're going to move the, all these games over to YouTube, and in Pete's announcement, he didn't even mention Hearthstone. And so a lot of the Hearthstone people were like, he didn't even mention our game. Like, he doesn't even know we exist. And I was like, that's good. The less he knows, the better. Don't don't change this. You know, don't 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 attract the interest. Right. Because because after 2019 and how that went, it's like, man, like the more you can be autonomous and be out of that, the better. But, you know, then, as we know, YouTube just basically was. The By the way, the just a quick aside, there's another area where I don't believe the Overwatch League or any of these leagues can be held accountable. So when Nate Nancer was there, who by all accounts, you guys like, you think he's a great guy. I've always yeah. told Monty this. He never did his job. His job was commissioner of the league, right? I always say this. Who is the most hated man in the NFL? It isn't some guy who tackles a guy with his head and cripples him. It isn't someone who, like, just says something mental after he's had CTE. It's the it's Roger Goodell, the guy whose job is commissioner, because his job is to eat a steaming pile of shit every time something goes wrong. Dana White in the UFC. Every time the fans don't get the fight they want or they think someone else should have gotten that title shot, he's a shill, he's a scumbag, he's a out he's only doing it for money these guys actually have the balls though to face the press they go in front of those cameras and if you're dana white by the way he's g'd up mate he just says whatever the fuck he wants he just tell you how it is whether you turn it into a character yeah this is the problem a character you know this is the problem hey you're the heel you know I literally asked Nate Nancer to come on shows. No response. I've never seen proper press conferences. Again, I'm not talking about the shit at those homestands where the guy asking you the question is a nobody journalist who's only writing for that because he got a ticket by working. No, I'm not asking about that. I'm talking about real journalism, right? If you if you were a real league, by the way, you would actually just do an interview with Richard. And Because what you'd do is you'd say, I'm smarter than him, so I'll talk around him. Here's the problem, right? Just as right? a point on that, though. Yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, just as a point on that, Duncan, like, uh, that isn't Nate. Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you the, the right. First of all, we all know about the activation. Then the jobs of the fraud of a position, isn't it? Can't do no, that position. Sure, but like, so if you're made a commissioner of something, but it's also part of that fucking job description that you will only do the pre-approved media stuff. And I know Monty and Doa know what I'm talking about because it applied to fucking cast. It applied to everyone mm -hmm. from the top down. I, the I mean, idea that Nate had autonomy. Oh is is a fiction they would we literally got into a fight with the pr people in the league exactly because, what I was say, yeah. <laughs> because they we they would receive requests from press and deny them without mm -hmm. talking to us so we right, actually yeah. are the casters had to get in a massive fight with <clears throat> with blizzard's own pr department about that because they weren't even telling us 
But here's and, the problem. And, and, the on the problem. other side of the equation, they also told um, that all of the on, on broadcast talent, it's not our job to promote your Twitters and social media pages. So on the one hand, they wanted complete autonomy over what they were to say. But when it came to like maybe promoting them via their metrics, they was they literally barefaced said to the talent, it's not our job to big you up because they don't <laughs> understand the concept of a rising tide. This was all a lot of the year two stuff that we're getting into. Year one yeah, was quite year good. One was much year two different. was yeah. year two when the change of leadership happened at the top. And there was a lot of other things that happened. And this was one of the things that happened along with that, where, yeah, they're just that. And again, you know, one of the reasons I left at the time was that there was just no investment into the talent in the league, right? Where we're investing a hundred percent of our time into the Overwatch league. You know, Monty and I moved across halfway across planet earth for this league. Cause we believed yep. in the concept and we believed we could make it work. It was crazy, but we thought it was awesome. <laughs> we wanted to make it work. Right. Um, but yeah, so then getting there and then year two, you know, they cut watch point, you know, the show that Monty and I were doing, they tried to call the pre-show watch point. Then uh, the stuff with the social media, you know, they just wouldn't invest in us as a talent. Uh, I don't know why I suspect it's because, oh, the bigger they are, the more leverage they have in negotiations. All the stuff. right approach. Yeah, we all yeah. know that one. But yeah. That's a whole different conversation. But, you know, then at that point, yeah, you kind of as a caster, you're kind of like, well, why am I really doing this, right? I'm putting all everything I've got into this and, and I'm getting nothing in return, right? You know, and you, you at least want to feel appreciated at the end of the day. Well, perfect. Uh, You've just yeah. hit how I'm going to segue back into my point, which is this. <laughs> if Wonderful. there had been a you're real welcome. commissioner, do you know one of the questions a real commissioner would have to answer every single week of season one? Why is it okay that the Shanghai Dragons never win a game and don't even look like they're going to win a game? That would be a question every week he would answer. Now, the reason why he doesn't answer these questions is because from day one, they had to have known this was bullshit. Because anyone else, by the way, uses the opposite logic, Monty. There's no such thing as bad PR. My motherfucking career is proof of it. Y'all keep trying to shut me down. I can't make the Twitter followers go down. I can't ban people fast enough to stop people following, even when they hear that I'm banning people. People join just to try and get banned. So here's the problem I have, right? I'll spin it into what I just alluded to about door there. So then, right... The reason I know it isn't just Nate Nancer, Monty, is because when Nate Nancer left, in came a guy temporarily called John Spector. Maybe that was two years later, actually. When John Spector came in, he was temporarily he, in he, that John position. Was there he was there before the, the league started, actually. Yeah, yeah. As commissioner, the... I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking well, about... He's still not technically commissioner, but he is he never... basically commissioner. So here's the problem he I have, right? to do that job. Yeah, but that's the problem, though. I'll never, ever accept as an excuse from someone. My boss made me say it, then you are scum, because the second you said it, you co-signed it, and then you said it. It's your mouth that comes out of, by the way, mate. No, but there's no puppet master behind your brain. You chose to do that. So even though the sad thing about the John Spector guy is I didn't even know until I, the name's clocked in my brain that he's like the brother of Beezy, who was like a pretty cool analyst guy who'd had on my shows. Otherwise, I'd have gone 10 times harder at this motherfucker. Because what people will forget is this. So what did he do? Did he face the press? Did he do stuff? No, no, he not only didn't he... But he got away with outrageous lies publicly that he wasn't even called on because most people in the industry just think, no point burning bridges. So, for example, the people in this call now, my buddy Semler, the top talent in the entire world, I'm talking 1A level talent in esports, triple A. You cannot get better than this. These people, when they left Overwatch League, right, and there was new stories and people like Richard intimating, maybe they didn't have a happy negotiation. Maybe they were asked to take a pay cut. Maybe they were even given insulting new terms that just removed certain things you wanted. John Spector didn't even have the good grace to just be like, okay, we're just going to say that they left. You know, they left. We're trying some new people. If you were smart, here's the PR move. You say, look, 
the nature of the league is we're going to try some development aspects and we're going to work. No, no, he did that, but he then implied that they'd chosen those brand new lesser people who would accept less money. He implied they chose them over that triple A talent I was talking about before. So again, this role of commissioner isn't even playing its role. It's actually just like chief marketing agent. And, and okay. also, I also implied that the people that were leaving weren't as loyal as the people they were keeping. Okay, there so was, there was a couple different things. things. Yeah, 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 several okay. things there. So first off, go ahead. Pete Lasalica was commissioner at the time. So after mm -hmm. Nate left, Pete took the commissioner title. And then here's an interesting conversation I had personally with Pete, which was he said he told me. I said, "Are you going?" Because we thought John would be the next commissioner, um, and John is still not technically commissioner i think but he is basically commissioner at this point in time i think john is technically commissioner now i don't know um but at the time pete insisted that pete was commissioner and he said he told me that nate was never commissioner because the like in spirit he that pete was always basically the the commissioner because he was the one doing all of the business stuff not nate which is also kind of not true um, and so he was not going to give up the title of commissioner, even though this guy literally knows nothing about like league operations or rules or won't anything. Appear in interviews. <laughs> yeah, won't appear yeah. in interviews, uh, which is a problem with Nate as well, as you were saying. I think Nate did make many more public appearances than, than Pete ever did because oh, Pete was just yeah. a ghost. Um, but I that has said shit since. So well, at, that, that was the big at, thing is that at, Nate was always around the studio too. Pete yes, was never, never there. And he lives in LA, by the way. Uh, so the the other thing is that, so technically when that was happening, Pete was commissioner and John did say, I don't, he did say some stuff publicly that we all took offense over and called him out on. And he mm. apologized to me personally about that and did watch that's that. Relevant. He, I think if I you think say something publicly, you apologize publicly. That's a rule. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing sure. is that the person who started that was Pete Flastelica, who started right. this stuff. It wasn't John. John yeah. Pete was the one who is because Pete is used to getting away with this stuff and he doesn't understand esports, which is why we all clapped back on him so hard. I publicly called him a liar, which he was lying about yeah. what was going on. Oh, yeah. And the funniest thing was that because I had already moved on and was working with Cloud9 and B site, right? Pete was then behind the scenes going to the team owners you know, of B-Site being like, please make Monty stop. Please make Monty stop. They didn't put a non-disparagement clause in my contract. So they couldn't <laughs> control what I was saying at all. Like there was no mechanism besides him groveling to the team owners about this, which then they thought was hilarious. <laughs> right. So I think, I think, I think, I think to get in. Come on. I think you're blending a couple things together too, where like this, this, the negative stuff really did begin with Pete. And I think John said some things that we took issue with too, which he then immediately walked back. And he, I think he did yes. do that publicly, publicly in the Reddit as well. As well. Yes. He did. And he, because, and I, I believe after talking to him personally as well, that he didn't really intend to say what he said. He kind of just typed it out poorly. And I will say, I believe that behind the scenes, again, from talking to him and knowing what's going on, he was really one of the people kind of like holding everything together while this yes. was going on. So I actually have a very positive view of uh, John Spector. I, I think he gets a lot of crap he doesn't deserve because he's really like, they get, like all the pieces are falling apart and he's like trying to just put it all together while things above him are going insane. And I do think he misspoke publicly, but he did apologize personally to me. And he also walked it back uh, in that Reddit thread as well. Whereas Pete like that, you know, that's a whole different thing. The but, problem so I think with you're this kind of is, blending those things together a little bit. Let, let this be a lesson in the industry. If you take a spokesperson's permission and you say things mm -hmm. that will be judged as what you're saying, that is the way it works. 
-hmm. Like that is the position he had. So here's my problem, Monty. It's the same thing I've told you about Riot for like a decade at this point in time. It's that it can't always be that like, no, but they fired that guy now. Now they've got a good guy. The top people never leave the company. They were the ones who hired the bad people in the first place based on their own philosophy of life and it's business kind of the and, their hierarchy, yeah. and their hierarchy of values. So mm. essentially what you're telling me is like a tyrant removed someone who was corrupt, who was enforcing his will, and he's hired a good guy now. That, that never short circuits no, no, the system, no, 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 in my no, opinion. No, 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 because, because here's, the, here's the difference, right? I agree with you about what you're saying about Riot. And the difference is that what happened with Overwatch League was that Nate was in charge, and then they hired Pete above Nate, mm. right? And they hired other people above Nate when Nate was the one who had this idea, and Nate was supposed to be the one running it. And then Nate hired John. So really, I view John as part of the Nate Danzer positive legacy. Right? It's actually a miracle he's survived this long. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I'm surprised they didn't remove him when they, you know. So, so like, well, I appreciate what you're saying. I don't, I don't view. There were a lot of people that were hired by Nate that I quite like. It's just that there was a process of overruling these people's ideas and people's philosophies that has now been, what I'm saying is that that has been removed. Now, I don't know anything about the new CEO, so I can't opine on his direction, his vision, what he's doing with the company, but I can say that many, there are a lot of people that I trust and who I think who are good at Overwatch League still, and that these people have now been empowered, which I find as a positive result. The other, see the you other two thing, years. Well, the thing I want to add, <laughs> sure. yeah, I, I, I'm really curious about how, how our conversation two years from now is going to go, because it could go a number of very different directions. That is true. But I, for me, at the end of the day, the fundamentally, the game that it's all based on, Overwatch, is a great video game. It's a, it's a genuinely very good video game. Is it hard to watch? Absolutely. Is it good enough that people watch it anyway? Seems like that, for the most part, although obviously I think the YouTube move hurt a lot of that stuff. But it's a game that's worth in my mind, pursuing to try to find ways to make it easier to watch. But for me, all of this kind of goes okay. to how's Overwatch? I, I wanted to ask you about that though, Doa. Like yeah, when you ahead. say that, like when you say like people do watch it, that's the part I can't get on board with. Like, what a lot of people won't know is this, right? Is I took a lot of shit in the Overwatch community, not just obviously for support, like supporting Monty's move, etc. But more importantly, because I famously made a tweet where I said, like, I'm not going to have kids from League of Legends tell me that their game's like sick to watch and Overwatch League's like really hard. Overwatch is hard to watch. It's like, it isn't. Like, first of all, nothing's intuitive about League of Legends. doesn't have any relation to real life. There's no like proportionate well, element to the well, graphics and then instead if you know fps games the meta is hard to understand that's like yeah. american football you know how long it took me to understand the basic rules and the concept <laughs> and the schemes and but obviously the point is i can watch them hit each other with football so okay. the point is there's a base level aspect that everyone can enjoy but my issue there is that the reason why I don't understand why people still go with the Overwatch League, listen, you can do CDL all day long. I can see an angle that can work. Is I don't know how Overwatch could ever generate the viewership to actually justify all the way the business model is set up. Like we're talking, remember, what is the viewership now? Do you know what's the average viewership roughly this year or last year? 5K? Is it like 30k or something? It's like, no, it's like maybe 40. Like, and this is the whole thing. Is I, like, I feel you, like I saw it around 30-ish, but I honestly didn't watch a lot of matches, so I don't have a great I, like but, I think Apple Simple size. had 60k followers, people watching when he did an FPL game, which is a pickup. Sure. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean, clearly, like, there's not a comparison between Overwatch and major esports, but I yeah. think there is I'm a not path. Doing that. Yeah. There's a path. There's definitely a path to sustainability off of 40k concurrent viewers. Like, you can make a successful. Okay, make a case. For, I'm not sure. saying there isn't, by the way. I'm just wondering, like, how do you see it happening? Because, what well, you have to so do, essentially. 
I, well, so I, I think the, go oh, there. What would you do? Oh, I'm curious. Make make Overwatch watchable. Here's here's what I here's what I would do, and here's what some of the things we saw at BlizzCon Online seem to indicate is that Overwatch uh, is the most watchable when is it, when it is the most FPS and the least MOBA. Right? You need to be so able to game modes, right? Well, no, I'm talking about uh, hero design, honestly. Yeah, hero oh, okay, design fair enough. Is. Right, Where okay. that's because in my mind, uh, Overwatch was much more watchable early on, and then became less watchable as you introduced. I, I agree. Stuff like I, when we were doing Apex, you know, it was actually really fun to watch. Yeah, we were, you need to be able. If it's an FPS, you need to be able to see a weapon shooting someone, and you need to be able to appreciate the skill that it takes to do things like aim and move around and things like that. When you've got like. You know, the early examples would be Winston, but when you've got other stuff like, you know, Moira coming in, Brigitte, uh, Hammond, a Mo lot of Moira other stuff. Moira pretty much not... the point where everything starts going wrong for right. Overwatch so across Anna the board. Right, so Anna was great, and then it went down, right? Anna, it's like Ryu Jang-Hong highlights all day, sure. right? Yes. And then it, then you get like Moira, Brigitte, where it's just like, this is what you see. There's zero skill being shown in this, right? So, uh, you know, the whip thing, but whatever. But so my my point is, is that what they showed at BlizzCon line indicates a trend towards wanting to be more FPS than MOBA again okay. in the future, which if that is the direction they're able to go and the new hero sojourn certainly looks that way from what we saw at BlizzCon line, I think that's a way you make Overwatch a lot sure, more watchable. But the, right. the problem here, my that's brother, my is, and we all know this, it's the elephant in the room. So, right, I know you guys don't want to say, hey, Mr. Elephant, want to join our cool podcast? I'm going to fucking do it, right? So here it, it is. Bring it up. The problem <laughs> with esports is, right, the ones that do not experience exponential growth do not survive. And the re and we all know this to be true because we've all been in the game a long time. Probably combined fuck knows. It's insane, right? We probably got more experience than any panel you could probably put together by adding one or two names. So sure. here's the reality about what happened. Overwatch comes out, huge fanfare. Forget the Overwatch League for a moment. Let's yes. talk about it. Oh, it's it popping being, for sure. Yeah, it's a casual talk, game. Just, just talk about the game. The game got massive promotion from Activision Blizzard. It was a completely new whole cloth IP. And they even decided, hey, what do the Zoom Zooms like? What do Zoom what a Zoom is into? Here's some law. Here's some this, some of that, right? We'll make some of our legendary industry cinematics to support it. There was loads of reasons to like Overwatch when it first came out. Mm. Then they were like, hey, we've got League and Ladders involved. We've already baked an esports, you know, theory crafting component into it. Path to Pro, they suddenly start talking about. At the launch, it came out, they even did something that was unthinkable, which was they jumped over League of Legends in the Korea PC banks. That was yes. a brief time, but it did happen. Sure. And That's yeah, the reason, by the way, as an aside, why people always lie on the League of Legends sub and say that Monty said Overwatch was going to be bigger than League of Legends. No, he just said that, he just said that in the PC tweets. banks. Yes. He just so said dumb. a fact that in the PC banks it had overtaken it. It was like the first time in like forever, but... Yes, exactly. It was also the first time it wasn't league in first yes. place in years. It, it had been years, years. yeah, like years. four or five years at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so it was oh. his, it was an event of historical so significance. The idea, we not talk about the it? idea yeah. that this game was hampered in any way at the start is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. This yeah. game should have succeeded. Yes. But it is Activision Blizzard's complete failure to manage both the game and the esport that has brought us to this point. And let's just talk about, you know, 
you have the game. Right, what, what do esports need? You need patches, you need content, you need constant tinkering, get under the hood. Mm. You need competent, balanced teams. You need people that understand what is enjoyable. You need to be there on the front line <coughs> of making player experience, and in particular, new player experience, something desirable. Well, Activision Blizzard completely fucking failed. And that, unfortunately, like some toxic essence started to drift into the esport because all of a sudden we got, I mean, when you get to a point where you're saying you just can't play these heroes this week you have admitted a complete failure to be able to balance it for a competitive scene but as i said the goats meta killed any chance this game had of being a mainstream esports success and not only that it just it was wasn't enjoyable bad. to play yeah. everyone can tell you queue times are a fucking nightmare people aren't even playing it anymore so if people aren't playing it we understand from league of legends and other successful esports we are talking less than 10 percent way less than 10 percent as the total number of players to people who will become hardcore esports fans we're talking maybe three percent five percent that's the mm. conversion rate so the fewer people play your game the fewer people will watch your game and the fewer people will follow a team and the fewer people will be a shirt wearing fan so the failure starts with the fucking game and, and there isn't even the most brutal brutally brainwashed blizzard and overwatch fan can't sit here and say the game is fun no fucking way i know you tried it though you're full of shit son nobody no, really no, i can't believe he likes it small doses then small doses i read arsenic tastes like almonds <laughs> richard, so anyway. richard i'll just say in door's defense he genuinely enjoyed the star wars christmas special and has watched it many times <laughs> well, so, that is, that so, is i'm just like, well i'm just I saying you, lumpy. I'm, i miss you so much lumpy mark Way, as a quick aside, from the car another problem I have is this. I thought the game Overwatch had the chance to succeed. Like, I loved watching the DPS players. I thought it was amazing. One yeah. of the problems I always had, though, was this is why I knew if these are the people who made the decision that this would be the league, nothing good can ever come. Like, so it's a rotten tree. All the fruit will wither on the vine. Why the fuck would you have an esports game with all those different game modes? Some of them, by the way, almost anti-enjoyable to watch. Even if you enjoy certain game modes... You get to the one you hate and you go, oh, fucking, is this one on now? Can you imagine if in the NFL, right, at half time there was a segment where they play basketball? <laughs> that's what that's what Call of Duty and bloody Overwatch were like. You're and, just and, switching up sports completely. Um, um, it's hard enough to get... sell one game mode, guys. Yeah. CS, that's why um, I always when... joke to Call of Duty. You'll never be Counter-Strike because you do Search and Destroy and then all the shit ones. And, and people um, will think... We... No, no. People Sorry, think 2CP is the bad game mode. 2CP is the best professional game mode because it actually gives time for plays to occur, for you to do analysis, for teams mm. to do set plays. The worst game mode for professional play is control because there's very little strategy oh, and it's yeah. very difficult to watch. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I deserve so, a moment to defend so, myself. Yes, you against, do. Uh, you do. One, Richard, though, too. Yeah. <laughs> you called me out and said I didn't yeah. really like Overwatch. I do really like Overwatch. I like Overwatch. I, I would never in the I've never in my wild streams say Overwatch is like a perfect game by any means. Mm -hmm. Like when I when I say I like Overwatch, I log in, you know, once every I don't know, honestly, I was playing it yesterday, like once a day, once every couple of days, play a couple quick play matches. I don't play competitive right now. When I do, I hit the flex button. I always end up playing tank. I know that there's a problem in that I would love to play support in DPS, but I know if I want to get in, get out in a reasonable time, I will never be able to do that. So there are massive problems, obviously, with the game. Yeah. But I do still enjoy playing it from the experience. And so at the end of the day, we were talking about socks earlier, right? And 
right now overwatch stock is definitely down which it could mean it keeps going down or it could mean it's time to buy the dip right my point is that things are down right now but i'm willing sure. to give it one but, more chance but, with overwatch but, but, but and i know i'm going much farther than a lot of people would reasonably do i have an unreasonable biased amount of love for that game no no question but that's anyway that's how i feel about it well, i'm willing to give see, it another with, try with esports right because viewership is such an important metric and we know it's an important metric blizzard lie about it every fucking goddamn day right before they've even had breakfast they put out a lie about their fucking viewership on overwatch league right you know we know it's an important metric and obviously we've been there we've been in the other games the problem you have is we have a very young audience who also one of the great concepts no one truly understands in esports and the reason i'm a fucking genius is because I do understand this concept is because with an esport, you are not competing against other esports. You're not just competing against other games. You are competing against all entertainment ever that exists in the current moment and time. So why would I watch an Overwatch game over watching a movie? Why would I watch it uh, over binge watching a Netflix show? Mm. Why would I watch it over reading a book? You are competing for time and attention. None of the other shit. And this is what these companies don't get. They're like, hey, we went head to head with this eSport and it really worked. Yeah, but what if more people are doing this and more people are doing this and more people want to do this? And this it's is probably trending. the reason baseball's dying, let's face it, because it's yeah, boring. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. so someone doesn't want to sit for eight hours, so, you know? So we were really... Okay. You are competing for time, and nobody wants to give Overwatch League their time anymore. And I'll tell you why. Because, first of all, the game success. Forget that for a moment. At least give me something for the eSport. The broadcast, they haven't kept it fresh. They haven't listened to people who know how a broadcast is. So why would I give it my time? The games aren't fun to watch. The teams clearly aren't even invested anymore. They're serving up some... Last few years, players. especially, yeah. yeah why, why would I give that my time? I'm not even seeing true excellence on the fucking screen. And I'm watching Blizzard scramble to balance it in real time. So I turn up one week, the format's this. What Another week, the format's that. Oh, look, live balancing. You can't use these heroes. Different game mode. This happened in Call of Duty. I mean, this is the true madness. Activision Blizzard doesn't even learn lessons from itself. They're that stubborn in their fucking hubris. But, you know, Call of Duty tried doing this. They had tournaments with team deathmatch as a fucking mode, for fuck's sake. Nobody wanted to watch them tournaments because they fucking blew chunks. They were fucking shit. And so now, all of a sudden, we're down to 40,000. Let me just give my final point about this. The Zoomers know when the stink of necrotic death is on a game. It happened in StarCraft. People will not hang around. They want to go where the cool party is. That game Remember, We are that competing game. for time and attention and why would i give my attention to something that i instinctively know won't be here in two years why wouldn't i go to fortnite why wouldn't i check out these new games so activision blizzard it's it's on a downtrend and it's it, and it cannot be it cannot be altered these layoffs reflect that they themselves know this to be true they don't have confidence in the league turning and having an uptick and why would they because everything we know about the fucking business tells us it cannot happen now by the I, way, I as a quick aside, I'll use the stock market analogy. If you're a rich guy who's not in any trouble right now financially, you buy, like Stor says, you buy the dip. So here's what you would do if Overwatch League was going to really succeed and blow up in a few years. You'd take this moment of this horrible lockdown pandemic scenario when other companies lay off top talent and can't pay them top fees. You'd buy those guys and bring them in and go, I'm going to buy them cheap now so that in three years I'm laughing. I've got the God take room. By the way, there's, there's plenty of people, commentators and games you can bring in again. The talent who can do the broadcast management people there's plenty of people need a job right now so i kind of agree in that sense with rich like in my opinion this isn't like oh just rip the plaster off and then we're going to be all good it's like i i think this is like they're just slowly bleeding out yeah i i think that this right. is 
This it I might mean, you might be right, but yeah. I think my personal opinion is that this is an adjustment that they're making for the time being, and we'll see what happens with Overwatch too. So you could be right, but I think that the smart play for them is to. Like I said, I think that these layoffs were because they are adjusting their live event plans to be in line with reality. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that in the future, they'll they'll probably dump a lot more money into Overwatch League promotion as part of the marketing strategy for Overwatch 2. And I, we do have to mm -hmm. return to the viewership point because I think it's really important because this is going to dictate how successful Overwatch 2 is, which is that what Doa said is like when we started, it was the dive meta and it was Genji Tracer. And we, you could really see the stars like you could really yeah. appreciate the skill. And it was fun to watch even before we had the spectating features that made it easier to watch. And I wonder if we had had those features in that in the Apex era, what viewership would have been like or what the opinion of people would have been like. But as you say with GOATS, this that is core to the issues that we experienced with Overwatch League. First off, because it lasted forever, like most we of the season. Way too slow on changing it, yeah. Um, second off, because as Doa said, it's most fun when it's an FPS. And what GOATS was, was the world's hardest to watch MOBA, which is like a <laughs> yeah, MOBA yeah. at terrible camera angles where it's deducing skill was took expertise because it was all about sequencing abilities as a team and coordination. It was very hard to play GOATS. It was well, the worst was, version of Smite. Yeah, yes, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's, it's, it, was it, was, it, it, it was It was the world's hardest yeah. to watch MOBA where it had all of the same kind of applicable skills as a MOBA. But the camera perspective and the ability to watch it was very hard. Um, and there was no sense really of building tension because of the way that the game works and you're constantly fighting. So unlike a MOBA where you have a few key like big team fights and that decides the game, it was just like one constant team fight for like 10 minutes, right? Mm. So By the way, oh, sorry, you go, was this evident to that point? Uh, no, I mean, just, I'm just saying like, I agree with Doa's perspective that First off, I think the game is fun to play as a as a casual player, but the divorce between the casual experience and the professional experience was a vast canyon. And then the way that they balanced the game was not helpful for a viewer of the game because it moved it in a direction that made it more challenging to appreciate and more challenging to view. So on screen right now, someone has pulled up viewership for the second season of Overwatch. There's also 2019 as well. It's like the highest peak viewership, right? We're not counting the joke of the day one when everyone just did that thing where you all jump on one stream and get the number super high and then 98% of you fuck off and never come to the stream again. We're not doing that little trick that people like Twitch and the industry plebs. Anyone who gets in on that, by the way, I know you're corrupt as soon as you do that. So I've got your number as soon as you do that. When Look on the screen right now. The best viewership, which by the way... Up here has uh, 183,000 peak viewers for the grand finals of Overwatch League. Now, by the way, that's Overwatch League when everyone is trapped in their homes, unable to go and do half the entertainment <laughs> Richard was just talking about. And on top of that, Overwatch is a fucking global game. It has viewers in China and Korea and all the... Counter-Strike, by the way, is essentially watched by people in Europe and North America and tiny pockets in other countries. So I'm going to tell you something. There was another tournament took place in 2020. It was called Flashpoint. I used to work with them. So does Monty right now. Now, Flashpoint, in its best match, had in season one... 
It had 282,000. And by the way, there were zero top 10 teams playing in that match. Flashpoint 2 had a peak of 200,000, beating the Overwatch League Grand Finals. This one at least had one team. It wasn't in the top 10, but like a known team. Like, that's not even the best in Counter-Strike. Like, that's like, those are pedestrian numbers in Counter-Strike. Like, we can have like a million if it's the major final. So, as I say, the key thing for me is, if viewership was going to go ham and owl, 2020 had to be the year. Because everywhere else in esports was bragging about the viewership well, going crazy. It's going I wonder. I wonder what things would have been like if it would have still been on Twitch. I. I that's. A, I, I think, think it would have changed. A, I don't. Think you don't think so? No. Nope. I feel like it would have been a little bit higher. Maybe a little bit, but not a lot. I don't think the fundamental issue was the the YouTube change. I think the fundamental fundamental issue was all of the other things that we've been discussing in terms of gameplay and. And also, it is worth noting that these numbers do not include Chinese numbers, because as yeah. far as I know. Even though Blizzard publicly stated that that the last finals had the largest viewership ever, I have never actually seen a report of the Chinese mm. viewership. And also, just like everyone knows in this industry, you can never trust the reported Chinese numbers because there's never any way to verify them. Just in yeah. esports, though. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, let, let, let's be real. Chinese numbers got more bots than an episode of Futurama. And so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, right? I've got it in front of me here. Right, Blizzard's official data, which, by the way, never, never going to be allowed to independently verify that. Um, they said they had a, a 1.55 million global AMA for the Overwatch League 2020 finals, which was a 38% year-over-year growth. Meanwhile, so probably course, the best finals, honestly, in terms of match, match-wise. Just to put sure. That but meanwhile, really when, you, when, when you just isolate the, the Western audience, and, and in particular the North American audience, it's massively down. As soon as a company has to come out and rely on Chinese numbers to set the records, they said, right, so keep in mind, 1.55 million global AMA, and they said the China AMA was 1.39 million, which was a 260% year-upon-year growth, right? Um, so or actually, when you, when you look at it, over 534,000 people uh you know watched in 2019 if you include what the fuck are these numbers mate there's absolutely no way the game is that popular i don't even think it's that popular in china frankly although it is quite telling now what they've decided to do is basically like now with all the big franchises want to just go to china for a bit yeah yeah we'll, we'll have events out in china you're a chinese I mean, team now th that's why that's why when you look at the la valiant like if you were if you were the valiant and you were looking or you were blizzard and looking at these numbers and you're you're basically saying that okay one and a half million people but all but you know the hundred and eighty thousand were in china wouldn't yeah. you move your franchise to china no but here's the thing like the team that's doing it right I, I don't know if people fucking know this but this immortals gaming group which by the way have fucked up everything they've touched i wouldn't <laughs> let these cunts make a cup of coffee i wouldn't drink it like it'd be you know fucking poisoning it they're, they're so bad at everything they do right they don't want to be in esports no more everyone knows this behind the scenes they're looking to sell up Right? So this is a cost-cutting exercise. It's got nothing to do with making money. It's got everything to do with saving money. They are bleeding cash. They've lied to a bunch of people behind the scenes. They offered people jobs, told them to move to LA, and then fucking bend them. These guys are colossal assholes, by the way, and have, have zero respect for anyone in this space. You know, how many how many failed projects? How do you fuck up Optic Gaming? How do you do that? Right? You know, like, it takes some doing, doesn't it? To be, to be fair, I think they actually probably did make quite a bit of money with the CDL sale because they 
CDL is a, a hot property right now, and surely that franchise must have increased in value significantly based well, on CDL. Well, that's good CDLs. news. And come to people making money in esports. That's not the theme of this uh, short one. No, another thing as well I'll say is this. Here's the reason, though, Monty, why that short-term positive move that you've said of, like, Valiant moves to China, you get a cheap roster, you know, you cut your costs, you still have nice viewership. Here's why that even betrays from the team side a vote of no confidence in the premise of the Overwatch League. Because I bought my motherfucking LA slot to have homestands that these fans want to bear this jersey and go where's Winston at and come to the venue at the Staples Centre and have 18,000 like mate those fans what time zone would they be watching the games in China this is madness and the players playing at 4 a.m. I don't think so so as yeah, a result you're now zone. pissing you're pissing in the face of the fan that you claimed was going to give you the money this is mental. Like in that scenario, you're just saying, oh, I also don't give a fuck about the Overwatch League and I am a team in it. Like this is, and by the way, shall I throw out one little detail no one ever brings up? I think I'm the only person who ever mentions it. Like the first Chinese team, well, I forget which one it was. Monty can correct me. Was it Dragons or was it Charge, right? I can't remember which one. Maybe it was Dragons because it was only one Chinese team in season one, right? No, there are a bunch. Right, I'll, th I'll forget which one it was. Maybe it was Dragon. One of the Chinese teams was literally bought by the fucking distributor of Overwatch in China. Yeah. Now, everyone in esports, remember, they apparently didn't know what the term conflict of interest meant until 2020, and they still don't know what it means now. So, like, that is insane that that is even allowed. Like, again, where are the questions from the press about this? Where's where's there a commissioner? Like, is, it really, uh, is there a conflict of interest for a team that, by the way, is the worst in the league and has never won a game to also have basically the owner of the region that they're doing the entire game in. By the way, think about this right now. That means the other Chinese teams compete against the person who distributes the game in their region. What is this? Like, again, I don't want to go into the whole thing about the way that Chinese economies work, etc. But, like, I don't want to rely on the black box of China to make all my fucking business work. If anything, I want to stay sort of away from it, except for the money. Yeah, but now you, now you obviously understand this is just a broader context and definitely not what the show's about. We'll, we'll, we'll reel it back in. We'll, we, we can get on to Bobby Kotick's bonus in a moment, I reckon. Yes. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but I, will, I will just add, I will just add, the Activision Blizzard reliance on China for almost everything they do is absolutely fucking outrageous. And, um, you know, you, you, put, you place it within the broader context of them, like doing things like banning Blitzchung for speaking out about, you know, Hong Kong independence, which everyone just seems to have forgot. That, that's actually only got worse now that you're not using the hashtag. I know there's probably another hashtag we're all using this week. But Hong Kong is still getting fucked by China, by the way, guys. So some of us remember, some of us stay dialed in. Look, Richard, the election's events. over. Stop going on about it. <laughs> yeah, you are right. You are right. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, like the Activision Blizzard, like reliance on the Chinese money and the Chinese model. I mean, obviously, there's, there's not a conflict of interest they won't indulge in because China is so important to that, to that share price and the dollar-dollar bill coming in. You know, you're essentially, you're not dealing with an American company anymore. Once you ascend to a certain level of American corporation, then they cease to be American. They are Chinese by default. Disney, Activision Blizzard, all of these ones. So basically, if you want to support companies like that, you've got to be okay with everything that China's doing right now domestically. Just putting that out there. Take Bobby a step Courtney. back. Yeah, Bobby <laughs> Cortic. You know good old Bobby. What's, what's Robert up to nowadays? Good old Robbo.
By the way, there's another thing to tie into the original thing, because Richard said it, obviously, that Blizzard are the ones who courted all these teams and used the Morgan Stanley report to lure them in. Another part about where I got incredibly suspicious about even the concept of Overwatch League is I myself was talking to teams like, I knew like TSM, Team League. I was saying to some of these people, like, do you want to buy a spot? Would you want to? And they were like, oh, actually, what's weird is they don't even seem to actually be that horny for us to be in, because basically the top people, I'm assuming Bobby Kotick, they're just off in, you know, owner's boxes at like sports games, talking to some billionaire guy going, you want to come in my new league? Oh, it's easy. You make money like this, this, this. I'm going to do this for you. And then I'll have this deal and I'll get that people over here with the broadcast rights. Like at the end of the day, my problem with that is I don't even think that's sincere. Like I like think about it logically. Why the fuck would bringing in people who, yes, have experience running franchises, but first of all, some of them didn't even buy the franchise in their city. So already all your connections mean nothing. So now I have to go on your esports competence. You have none because you're just people who are new into esports. If you'd at least done what CDL did, which is take a bunch of people who were endemic, like that's the difference. Here's the, here's the best reason why CDL could succeed. Hex. Hastro, that's a joke at the moment, but in th you know, in theory, Hastro. I mean, made, well, made shots also, Come on. listen, made shots also a joke because, you know, I mean, we're talking about like winning in the game. Like, obviously, listen, sell a lot of hoodies for people who have blazed stoners or whatever. No, 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 no. Sell a limited amount of hoodies that you create artificial <laughs> scarcity yes. of yes. and then it's called a drop okay it's like yeezys basically yeah you do you make everyone horny for it and they have to rush to get it through yeah. yes create artificial scarcity and then never release numbers about how many hoodies you actually sold and then claim maybe it was that's a lot. what blizzard are doing with the viewers of the league creating artificial scarcity <laughs> here's how here's yeah. how blizzard could actually save the overwatch league they could take all of the next three years budget for owl and they could invest it all into pokemon starter cards and they could open them on stream and if they get enough holographic Charizards it can actually pay for the entire league for a few years that's a re I'm the first person who have a real financially responsible model that's gambling that can work with your I, I was I was going to say make skins NFTs but you know it's just you know. that's a pretty good one too Dor. that's a pretty good one too that is yes. good yeah. Um, but sure? yeah so on, on to the, the news that came out in the aftermath so obviously we've got two things happening and it's not the first time this has happened we've had 50 employee layoffs you know, and again, while I'll bang on the Overwatch League all day, that is mainly aimed at the fans who are scum and not the people who've lost their no, jobs. We're probably not, cool people not. who don't deserve to lose their livelihood in the middle of a global pandemic. Now, with that said, the other part of uh, this component is that Bobby Kotick, and we've already mentioned it briefly, uh, by getting the uh, shareholder uh, price up to where it is, he had a clause in his contract that basically triggered a $200 million bonus. It's not all cash. I think some of it is like... You um, can't even buy all the Overwatch League franchises for that. It's not even that much rich. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, now, and to, be, next time. Uh, to, to put it in context, despite two years of almost completely negative headlines, the, you know, in the games press, certainly, because of Activision Blizzard have done so many reprehensible and incompetent things, just because of the products, and in particular the mobile game in Call of Duty Mobile was a huge financial success. Obviously, Candy Crush is just a license to print money, bunch of other things that they did. Obviously, there's a Call of Duty released every year. Um, they, their share price went up, uh, the stock price went up from $56 per share to $92 per share which is a ridiculous uh increase it was briefly over a hundred dollars per share at some point and because of that boom bobby cortex gets his 200 million uh dollar bonus 
Now, you have to understand that the optics of this are terrible um, because what continually happens with Activision Blizzard is Bobby always gets fucking paid whenever these fucking layoffs occur. And it's like they're always boasting about how much money they're making just at a time when they're making people destitute at the worst fucking time you could possibly do it to someone. But here's another little bit, right, that note that we haven't mentioned. That's I the thing, know- though. The timing is beautiful, Richard, because what I like about it is there's not even like a gap it's not like 50 people laid off and you're like how long should i wait when's too soon a week yeah. no instead it's like i'm sorry to announce everyone like attention day. attention please attention i'm afraid I, 50 I, of you are going to need to clear out your desks by the end of the night everyone else let's party like it's 199 <laughs> and the confetti just comes right, down let's, 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 let's do it that way because of the quarterly reports like they have to give public reports as a publicly traded company oh, so it all has shame. to come out i do want to say same time I do want to say that it wasn't just Bobby Kotick who got a big payout because those people who got laid off actually got $200 gift cards on the way out of the company. So, which could be redeemed on that anything <laughs> on Battle.net, by the way. Anything on Battle.net. I, they got Bobby I not, can, I, can I comment on that for a second? Because I, I will not deny that that looks hilariously terrible from the outside. It, it's like one of the most embarrassing things about all this, for sure. Uh, but... There is a logical reason for this. And the reason is, is uh, I don't know if a lot of people, I would think some people know this, but Blizzard employees get uh, Blizzard bucks to spend on Battle.net while they're employees. They get like free WoW subs, things like that. And so this was clearly intended to replace those, right? Which which is fine. Great. If you want to keep playing WoW, if you're not- <laughs> I don't get the right, food to live, you know, so like that. Listen, the WoW account in your house yeah. right now. There's a reason the fuck for is going on? it. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying Sorry, there's a logical going, reason going. for them to do this, yeah, but it looks sure. hilariously bad. And I, we are just, all free to laugh at it, for sure. I, I just yeah. think it's funny like the, that they believe that after somebody gets laid off by Blizzard, that they're just going to be like, well, you know what? You know what would make me feel better? Being reminded about Blizzard while I go play WoW. Here's the thing, Monty, it makes perfect sense. I wouldn't recommend this. Here's what I think you should do if you've been laid off by Blizzard. Sit around your house, smoke weed, support 100 Thieves, whatever whatever that team is, and watch CDL. There you go. While playing World of Warcraft on the other monitor. Sounds like like the perfect, you know, redundancy program. No, now, obviously, I think... I think they did get like yeah they 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 did get their severance as well, Um, (laughs) but you know this is this is where you get into a much broader context because I'm not one of those guys by the way who thinks CEOs shouldn't get like huge benefits and and you know obviously you wouldn't get the best CEOs if you don't if people don't yeah exactly like like anyone who goes why like famously the best example ever because a lot of plebs are going to get lost on that already Richard like we're criticised now it looks and the fact that it doesn't have an incentive here's what people will always miss because it always happens in the UK they're like this company's going out of business but the CEO gets his bonus of 50 million, right? That's in his contract. That means he negotiated it in his contract. Now, why did they put it in his contract? There's not like Mr. Megabox from like fucking Monopoly. Like, I'll just give you for no reason 50 million. The point is that's a competitive salary. Like someone else probably offered him 40 million bonus. So basically, once you've put those in the contract, you have to pay them out no matter what. There's no clause like, but if the league's not doing well, you get nothing. Like, because again, you wouldn't join. Like who would join a company where if I do my job awesome, but other factors go wrong, I don't get anything. And why does does the CEO get blamed when the board, it's the board of the company that is hiring the CEO and making these negotiations. Blame the board. Board. Blame the yeah. board. And, yes. and, and, and this was going to be the point I was going to go with. I think, I think you know, there has to be some sort of 
vote that the board can hold i mean like you know defer it until the pandemic's a little bit more manageable or something like bobby Kotick's not hurting for cash by the way this is like one He's of the greediest billionaire this is like one of the <laughs> this is like one of the greediest pieces of shit in the gaming industry and by piece of shit it's well justified go look into that court case with them um air stewardesses and that but whatever, right? This this guy is just a fucking asshole. So you know, can't the board come together and like, oh, let's maybe defer it. Let's like not have the announcement about his record bonus coming out at the same time as we're making layoffs. You know, and then the two hundred dollar gift card thing. The the fact that the number of two hundred just happens to mirror the bonus <laughs> just makes it's it funny. like, yeah, it's like, does anyone do fucking PR at Activision Blizzard? Like, because I, I I'll I'll do it for you. I'll make your despicable. They, they were busy presenting the talent from from doing bad yeah, they're, PR. They're too busy intercepting. <laughs> uh, about us. <laughs> yeah. So you know what has to happen here is you have to start asking yourself about business practices. And again, it, do, are we entering into yeah. an area of potential like malfeasance for the board and all the shareholders, where you pay one man two hundred million dollars, while you know I'd say several projects have failed. I know the share price is up, but several projects have failed. You've had nothing but negative headlines you're now increasingly becoming reviled to the same level of ea in fact i might even argue i think activision blizzard i think one year you know they have that award for worst company i think the memory serves me properly i think activision blizzard might have won it over ea one year which is insane when you think about all the hair and the shit ea has done so yeah it, it, it's 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 insane to me that this bonus can go ahead um even though i know it's contracted it's just the timing it's like activision blizzard have no inherent sense of timing you're such a big company we know everything you do so when you lay people off and give them 200 dollars a gift card which essentially you have given them a part severance that they give back to you like what well, that's fucking madness right there like here's 200 dollars. oh thanks can i can i it spend it on coffee can, it I, can I get it can i get a subway so i can eat this month because keep in mind it was also in the fucking press that Activision Blizzard employees couldn't even afford canteen food. It it is almost dystopian in the way that it's like it's like um you know you, you signing up back in the day to be part of uh, like a mining company right but then they own like the company store right yeah. so they're they're making money yeah. off of your wages and they're but the thing is then they lay you off but then they give you a gift certificate to the company store right no, but, yeah but you want, you want to know the model it's it, it, fuck mining companies it's what america does in prison it's a prison system you like i don't want to sound like system of a down right but at the end of the day <laughs> think about this so our work you pay part of that money you know i'll leave the company and you pay part of it in a type of currency that i can only spend in this one area that's called a commissary in a prison by the way guys and so <laughs> <laughs> right just so you know so here's what happens right in, a, in an american prison they sell your labor for way below what you would be getting in if you were in a free market you know on the basis that it's rehabilitative <clears throat> wink wink shame you're not going to be allowed to vote or get a job or anything else we don't really believe in rehabilitation we want to keep you in the system for cheap labor so you know you work for a yes. dollar an hour uh, just being real uh you 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 want to you want to work for a Go dollar an hour you know pressing fucking number plates and stuff like that they make a profit on that and then where does that money go guess what you have to buy your toilet paper you have to buy your toothpaste you have to buy your ramen noodles a little luxury and make the fucking prison go well. so you literally pay the prison back for the cheap labor they've got you and Blizzard are going, yeah, the optics on this aren't fucking bad at all. Are you fucking real? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It it did seem super tone deaf, super tone deaf. And, and like, of course, 
It did. That's gonna and be I, I'm not, of course, I want to be clear that I'm not be justifying it. I'm trying to explain their logic yeah, yeah. for doing this. Sure. I'm just enjoying how hilariously bad it is. It makes me yeah. it makes me chuckle in a time of sadness. So there's <laughs> at least that, I guess. But it's but I, I think what we're seeing more than anything, without getting too far beyond the scope of what this show is about, is just you know, the well, you still want to take way... down private prisons in America. What do you mean? The way <laughs> business is done in America is clearly not sustainable. You know, the the, yeah. the way things are going right now is going to crash eventually in some sort of catastrophic way. This is so not then how does all succeed if the entire country's going down? <laughs> I'm just, you know, I don't know. We That's the question we'll never answer. Move to China just, just like all your jobs a little bit before the apocalypse, you know? It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> to be fair. Well, to be fair, by the way, that's a great question, yeah. That might not I mean, even be a joke. That actually might be how Overwatch League survives. Maybe in five years, it's just a Chinese league. And it's just Western teams, maybe have some spots, but it's just in China. Be. I mean, I think another another possibility is is uh, over time, it's it's uh, shipped out of Blizzard Activision and into the third-party TO realm as well, which we're seeing Possible. it happen already with StarCraft II, with Hearthstone. Sure. I think uh, here's what's here. If you look at the trajectory of esports broadcasting over the last 10 years, you see this arc of third-party TOs. Developers are like, oh, this esports thing is getting pretty big. We want to control it all. They bring it all in-house. They do it badly. Uh, with a few exceptions, but mostly just do it badly across the developer board. And now we're starting to see the other side of it where it's like, okay, maybe we don't actually want to incur all this cost and like do things. We're going to actually send it over to the people that know what they're doing and are more invested in it. And so maybe that's the trajectory that Overwatch League goes long term too. Who knows? You know, I could definitely see that happening and it survives in that sense. You know, I think, I think this goes into the, the kind of broader conversation too, which I, I think is really important because so much of what we've discussed comes down to the fact that developer run esports have inherent conflicts of interest with an entertainment product, right? right or with sure. the success. Because the problem when you get with any developer running an esport is that they have different goals than an entertainment product on a broadcast. They're not mm. going to be willing to push things so far. They want to feature the new skin that they're selling in-game, right? Whereas, they probably don't want someone to say that the character's shit and stuff. There's a million, yeah, a million conflict right, of interest. Right. Correct. And so like when we when we as esports professionals, as esports purists come into these spaces, we want to do things like feature the players as much as possible, not feature the characters in the game, not feature the stuff that is in that for, is for sale in the game because we don't make money off of that. And also it's boring and we don't care about it. We care about the best professional scene entertainment product possible. That's the only thing we care about. And so I think that a lot of these issues with Blizzard, they, they you know, to go back to what you were talking about, Richard, earlier about the game itself, it is logical that Blizzard would because of the low conversion ratio on esports fans, it is logical that they would prioritize the casual experience. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the casual experience did not lend itself, especially in season two with GOATS, to a watchable professional meta. Right? Yeah, I agree. I think the disconnect mm -hmm. between um, you know, what's happening in your casual games, maybe, and, and how you perceive the game to a, a really dull, dry more complex meta that's been deemed optimal by the teams. I agree. I, I, I think when you have that disconnect between what the casual viewer can enjoy watching an eSport and, uh, you know, what the eSport delivers 
you know, in order to be successful for the teams participating in it. Yeah, that is a huge issue. And this is why, you know, say what you will about Riot Games. Uh, and I've certainly said a lot of things down the years. I think we all have. Um, you know, but the, the one thing I admire about them is that when it comes to balance, um, you know, they understand that you have to balance within the broader context. It upsets a lot of pros. Yes. I've seen mm. some pros even advocate for a different game. You know, you, you have it balanced this way at the pro level and balanced this way for public consumption. That's a nonsense. Be terrible. You can't do that. That's one of the <laughs> yeah. worst ideas ever. Um, what you have to do is you have to, bal you have to balance your game for the broader audience. And if that creates an aspect of a meta that is abusable by pro teams, then you have to give them tools to deal with that and on and on the cycle. Well, I, I think League of Legends have done that very well. So I think that's another... It also has like the different balances because, for mm. example, there are certain champions that are have horrible win rates in a casual mm. setting, but yes, very absolutely. good win rates in the professional setting. And mm. Riot just says, okay, we're going to live with that. Like, we're not yep. going to increase the balance. So we're not going to change Rise's balance because if he is at a 50% win rate in casual, he's going to be oppressive at the professional level. And exactly. so... Yeah, I, I I do think they deserve credit for that. I agree. There's a luxury anyway. too you have there in, in terms of having so many different characters in your That's game. That's true. You know, you can get away with that a little bit more there. But uh, you know, going back to the you know thing is though, doing... what you just said there, by the way, is a very side touch we don't have to go into. But there's another sure. area where I always thought, like, if they're going to put this much money into the league, why weren't they working on loads of new maps all the time, or why weren't they working on the extra characters? Like that part was always like, like that that part yeah. never felt appropriate to how big the league was supposed to be, and now all the people buying in for millions, you know, because everyone, all the casters, all the talent, were all crying for maps. All the players I agree. want different yeah. aspects. It seems obvious that they should have done that, you know. All right, so don't was the point you're going to make. Sorry. <laughs> oh, so so I I to backtrack a little bit with that. Uh, I was I was going to say uh, as far as where a game should be broadcasted, and you know, being an esports professional and all that, we have to deal with the fact that the developers will always be involved in some way or another. They are making the game; it's their game. Of course, they're going to be involved. The level of their involvement is going to change with developers, but it's something that. You know, again, we as esports professionals kind of have to manage. And the, in an ideal world, you have a trusting partnership between developer and broadcaster, where the developer trusts that the broadcaster will do what it takes to make their game watchable, whether, and that includes, you know, formats, what sort of bands are there, all that kind of stuff. None of that reflects badly on the game itself. It's just what is necessary to make the game a successful esport, which is what the developer should want anyway. Um, and right now we don't really have that. You know, we we had TOs being the end all be all. The game is just a, a tool that they use. Then we went through the phase that we're coming out of now, I believe, where the developers took total control and the TOs are all secondary or non-existent. And hopefully through a tumultuous period over the next, you know, five to 10 years again, if you really look at it, we can start to with some developers, not all developers, maybe not Activision Blizzard, but with some developers, we can establish some sort of trusting partnership where the developer, you know, says, all right, well, we don't want you to represent our, our game in a way we don't like, essentially, like, I don't know, if they don't like Reaper pointing the gun at your face or something like that in advertisement, that's something where a developer can say, hey, can you please not use that? And a TO should be like, okay, we'll have a different pose for Reaper, whatever. That's fine. But where the developer then trusts the TOs as well to say, hey, you know, this map uh, is not going to work out in a competitive, uh, competitive sense of this game mode and we're not going to use it. Or, you know, we're going to change the format in this sort of way. And the developer has to accept that and be okay with it for the game to work as an esport and just trust that, right? So those developer uh, TO partnerships based on trust is what we need. And hopefully, 
we can get there at some well, point. Fortunately, we're we have a great analog for that because that's, you know, Counter-Strike right now. It's not like Valve comes there in is and some says yeah. that you have to push, uh, you know, purchasing crates in yeah, Counter-Strike, right? Or like they're not pushing specific skins. It's up to the, you know, I think part of the success of Counter-Strike is that it is always in Counter-Strike telling the team and player stories first because Valve is not involved in shaping the narrative of a broadcast. Right. They even is, removed, by good. the way, the map, Cobblestone, which had the most famous drop ever of the Dragon Law Orb, which is the skin that every noob yeah. wanted. So if anything, Valve's been willing to go counter to that even. So fair play, yeah. Hmm. So I, I don't know if Overwatch League is ever going to get there. I think if they do ship the production of the league outside of Blizzard uh, I and trust the people who they ship it to to do that, I think that would maybe help long term. Um, but... <laughs> In any rate, in a broader esports sense, I think that should be the objective that we're moving to. Yeah, and 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 I think you know just to talk a little bit about the Overwatch Two thing because I, I listen, I've seen the desperation from the community. One of the things I like to do it's kind of like my edging. I go to the competitive Overwatch subreddit oh and just love <laughs> all the fucking the levels of cope that you know every time there's a bad the, announcement. The level of denial on that sub yeah. is absolutely it, insane. Like ser seriously, like in, in my lifetime, I've known hard, like, I've known hardcore drug addicts. Yeah, I've, I've known <laughs> hardcore drug addicts that have a better sense of perspective about their problems than the fucking <laughs> Overwatch fans do about the league's problems. But let's just also say mm. internally, right? I I know this. I, I was told this by a source, and I, I've even reported this, and no one wants to believe it, right? One of the reasons you're not getting content, etc in uh, Overwatch is because it wasn't making any money on the loot crates model, plus all the uncertainty about the loot crate model. So what they wanted to do was essentially create a standalone DLC product that kind of felt like you had to have it to really get the complete Overwatch experience, mm. which is where the aesthetic changes come from. And it was going to be a one-off in ca cash injection, essentially, to justify Overwatch even existing. Because right now, in terms of where they're making money, it's not where they've ever wanted it to be. It's actually not a particularly big product for them. This has actually uh, been publicly um, stated in those uh, quarterly financial reports they, they're legally obliged to put out um, for the shareholder stuff. They've talked about what they call monthly active users, MAUs, and how down it is and stuff like this. So Overwatch as a product is having problems and not making the money. So Overwatch 2, which is essentially just a PvE DLC, right? Uh, that's all you're buying. All right. It's not. That's how it looked like initially. It looks like it may be more than that now. But initially, no, no, the BlizzCon, no, no. the last one before this BlizzCon line, that's definitely what it looked like. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah. But but I mean, even with the BlizzCon line stuff, like, does anyone think they're going to get like a, a load of content? Especially, by the way, it also internally, and I'm sure you guys have heard this too, because of the things that are going on with with layoffs and COVID and people being able to come to and from the office. That you know, th their workload is sl slowed to a crawl. There is no content coming for Overwatch now. Not not the first game. It's all hands on pumps to try and make some money off Overwatch too, and that will not fix the esport. That is not going to save the Overwatch okay. League. So I think. I think there are several things. So I think that in, here's my best case scenario. Here's what I would like to see with Overwatch. So first off, I think with Overwatch 2, if they do some stuff with the game modes, I think it could be interesting. If they release a bunch of new characters, I think it could be interesting. I think the way that you do very well with Overwatch 2 as it relates to esports is that you turn it into a game as a service, right? Where you buy battle passes or PVE experiences. And if PVP goes free to play, 
I think that is the best thing you could do to increase the competitive player base to then that then translates at a small percentage, as we've discussed, mm -hmm. into esports fans. But as long as PvP is free to play with Overwatch 2, I think there's a there's a good chance that Blizzard will see a, a significant uptick in terms of Overwatch League and viewership. They did that with StarCraft 2 already, actually, where they made all the PvP stuff free and you essentially pay for the single player content and some some other extra stuff. So yeah. there is precedent for them doing that. And I, I think that would be a good direction to go. But I, 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 I agree. Well, I think, keep, yeah. keep in mind as well, though, uh, one of the things they're talking about internally is obviously the mobile version of the game. And I think that... I, <laughs> <laughs> but Bobby Kotick really, really wants it. People love um, mobile versions of games. I don't know. I'm not a mobile gamer at all. I don't I don't enjoy that at all. But you can't deny there are a lot of people who who play every mobile thing of any title. So I don't know. I will I mean, say, I, by I the way, that is, that is one area I know. In fact, I think Andy Miller of the San Francisco Shock and NRG even said in my talk to Thorin with him on my channel, something along the lines of like one of the reasons he saw a massive upside in Call of Duty, for example, is he thinks the future is like mobile as well. It's like the people just playing on that. So he thinks that's like another way you can get people in. And yep. it goes without saying, by the way, mm -hmm. that is also the part that has people in western esports where we're just completely like it's essentially we're chauvinists for pc we just don't understand that there is other esports that's why we all make fun of consoles we forget how much of asian esports is mobiles like it's people commuting oh, yeah. it's summoners war it's people who can't afford a pc yeah of course well, I, I have it on good authority that the original plan before the pandemic really kicked everything into you know kind of survival mode um was that they wanted to announce they wanted to release overwatch 2 and overwatch mobile at the same time essentially like, that would be smart. The package, right? well, I hope they do. And, and, and yeah. here's the thing about mobile games, and I think that's why it's a good case for Call of Duty, because, again, it's about if the game is similar enough on mobile, like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like an example mm -hmm. is Wild Rift, right, that they're releasing for League of Legends soon. And if it's enough like the PC game, you can still attract viewers for your eSport because they will understand what's going on in the game and find it compelling, right? Mm. Um, it's just the same thing with Overwatch. Like Overwatch is huge on consoles in North America, but they converted console viewers into professional league viewers of the PC version of the game. So I understand that while you know, the player, you know, you can increase your player base dramatically by doing Call of Duty Mobile and you're hoping if you're an esports owner, if you're involved in esports, that those mobile viewers, the game is similar enough that they can translate effectively into esports viewers. So I do see that as a good strategy overall and, and an understandable yeah, one. For sure. And and that's like, I don't like touchscreen controls. That's why I don't do mobile game stuff. But I do remember a time in my life where uh, my parents could barely afford to get me a Game Boy. And, uh, you know, we couldn't afford any home consoles, no PCs, nothing like that. And I was perfectly happy playing the Game Boy, original Game Boy version of like Killer Instinct and Mortal Kombat 2 and all that kind of stuff, even though they were clearly inferior to the arcade or the home console version. See, I told you he likes Overwatch, Richard. He really <laughs> does. He genuinely he really does. does. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, I just do. Oh, he is the so here's, that's had a rack. Yeah, here's really, a, he's the one guy who likes right. it. I'm the I'm the gamer Gamjavar, right? <laughs> <laughs> I pronounce it right. But I I uh, I've reached this sort of like objective Zen tranquility with my gaming experience as a whole and my esports casting experience as a whole, where I I don't care about popularity of a game or you know any of that kind of stuff. I just will do the projects that I enjoy doing now at this point and try to make a living doing that. Like over the last year, I've done tons of teamfight tactics. Not the biggest game in the world, obviously, but a game that I love more than any game I've played in years and years and years, probably since StarCraft II, honestly. 
Um, and then like I, I did a season of the Heroes of the Storm community league that came up where I casted for a little bit and then moved to host. And like, it's never going to be big, sure, but it's great to see that scene having something for those fans who still exist. You and did I that in 2020. Of it. I did in 2020. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like Dawn yeah, the animator it, there. Okay. It fair did enough. pretty well. Exactly. We literally brought this back to life, which was That's such a cool player. thing. Yeah. It was a cool experience to be a part of, you know? So I, I think at the end of the day as well, it's it's that like there's there's stuff out there that isn't necessarily the biggest, but still has some value, you know? And so that's kind oh, of where shit. I'm at with Overwatch so, League as well, too. Yeah, I don't care. But somebody somebody I, photoshopped Doa's yeah. Dr. Frankenstein just like stitching together the corpses of esports. <laughs> yeah. By the way, just as an aside, because I'm not, man, right <laughs> this is actually a perfect segue to just address something that people kept bringing up from when me and Monty did a show recently, where Monty brought up this topic. He said on Twitter that he, he wishes RTS was still here and you could have games like the Great Warcraft 3 circuit with all those great yeah. international players. You could have StarCraft, obviously, Brood War with all the Koreans. Starcraft 2 with all hey, the Westerners. Immortal, and every immortal. moron reply guy, because reply guys, by the way, already exist to go, actually, it's Anne, not A. And then bad they think they've like, yeah. Those guys all popped in. They were like, Monty doesn't even know anything. Rin. Age of Empires 2 has tournaments at the moment. Like, he meant, he didn't mean there's no RTS in the entire world, you morons. For a start, Starcraft 2 still exists. Warcraft 3 is still in China. I am kind of He meant there aren't enormous, massive, high-prestige esports games with millions of dollars put in and massive land. And if you actually listen to what he said, aside from just the word that you react to like a Pavlovian hound, then you actually might be able to follow the conversation. By the way, I don't give a fuck about Age of Empires. All I know about Age of Empires is it was a banging track by Fortech in the 90s. That's all I care about. I don't give a fuck about your little niche game. But it's fun, I'm sure. I'm sure if you play it like Dora, well, it's probably fun as fuck. The thing that was funny about the Age of Empire stuff is the reason, the, it was the way I was talking about RTS where I said I missed the storytelling about how these large, you know, how much larger than life you can be in an RTS game as a player and the stories you can tell. And everybody's like, but Age of Empire is still watchable. Do you know how many people mentioned an Age of Empires player who is larger than life? Exactly fucking zero. You guys missed the entire point. Dude, of the they even said, I'm not joking. Oh, and there's a brilliant tournament coming up to called the Hidden Tournament where all the players yeah, play under a different name and you don't know who it is. It's like, you guys aren't even listening to anything we're saying, are you? You just hear the. It's like, are you using Babblefish to translate this and figure out, oh, I've got the Age of Empire? Like, give me a break. Oh, yeah, that was a rant. But here's the thing as well. Like, I well, well, the one thing I will agree with you, uh, uh, Dora, is that the um, the optics I think of like essentially taking Overwatch League behind the woodshed after everything is like terrible. So yes, I think what I think what this is a prelude to is essentially scaling it down to be more in line with products they're never going to get rid of, like, you know, for example, StarCraft 2, right? And there will be tournaments. There'll still be one at BlizzCon. I think I think, I think, think what they're saying when they say we're not getting rid of tournaments 100% is they mean they'll run one or two, or maybe even potentially now, because back when they started, again, completely fucking everything up because of their hubris, they basically, they, they, they did say to tournament organizers, you could run an Overwatch tournament, but you have to agree to all of these clauses. And there were some outrageous ones in there. I saw, I saw the contract that was sent out and it was stuff like if you ever create like a statistical 
um, you know, model on screen, you're not allowed to use those stats. Only we can display stats on our broadcasts. We must have two Activision Blizzard employees in the production truck at all times who has complete veto over what goes out. And it was, it was like all this mad shit you'd have to agree yeah. to. That's, which made... that's that lack of trust that I was talking about, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was completely ridiculous. But anyway, you know, the, the, what I think will happen is they'll scale it down and you'll still yes. have Overwatch in some yeah. form for sure. But the point is that is an abject failure when this was meant to be and they have used language like this in press releases the pioneering mainstream esports league global esports league and it, it is completely failed to deliver on that okay, promise. but 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 here's the thing like i do think at 40 50k viewers you can create a very sustainable esport like the, the the viewership is very stable like it definitely has a bunch of fans that enjoy the product it probably won't go down i would say in viewership or not by significantly and it has the it has an upside of going way up depending on what happens with overwatch 2 and what happens when homestands return like live events after the pandemic. Homestands aren't returning. I mean, if well, I was a better are, man, I would say homestands are, are not going to return. They will call them homestands, not in the way that was planned, right? Not in the home away game. But homestands home in the context in which it was used in 2019 will return. And to early 2020 will return. And the thing about it is that I would rather have this happen purely as an esports industry person because the alternative was that it was going straight off the cliff. And yeah. do we want another CGS scenario where it just crashes the entire industry for years? Like, I would much rather have this eventuality occur and a return to a return to, you know, sustainability and potential profitability than them. Like, because we saw where Doe and I saw where this was going and it was scary. Like it was, we're, I'm very glad they continued to like reel it back in, make the logical decisions. The team owners were making their opinions known because they have very good insight across the, the entire esports industry, the endemic ones. And so it has in many ways prevented the greater catastrophe for occurring. By the way, I can corroborate what Monty's saying because it's actually a fact that you can have a sustainable game with 40,000 viewers. You just have to pay, you have to go back in time 10 years, pay everyone $1,000 a month. Everyone just has little, like, you know, like mouse sponsors and that. And you just don't expect too much prize money. If you do that, you can do it tomorrow, boys. I can fix the Overwatch League tomorrow. It's just it'll become Thorin's backyard fucking Overwatch League. So, yeah, it'll you know. be CZW. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I think they're going to have to scale it way back. And I think that's at least mm -hmm. in the short term. The direction of where it's going while they evaluate what the plan is for for overwatch 2 and until we have more information about the competitive plans for overwatch 2 and not just the pve plans because me as a gamer i'm actually very excited to play overwatch 2 from what i've seen so far i want to play that game now is that going to translate into me wanting to see more of the professional scene i don't know yet because i don't have enough information but clearly that's going to be on their minds right and the developers have always been very involved with overwatch league even if i think that i, I mean objectively they prioritize the casual experience which is a good business decision for them it was the best business decision they could make um it just wasn't the best decision for the overwatch league in particular uh so i i actually view what is going on in terms of i mean it sucks to say these people getting laid off is a positive result, but it, I think it is for the esports industry and for the sustainability of Overwatch, it is positive. And I think that the direction that I've seen in terms of changes of leadership, the people who are in control of the league now, I feel way better about Overwatch League than I did at the end of 2019. So it, here's a question for everyone. Um, and it might be a good way to sort of generate the, the, the final debate that ties it all together. So for me, right? I, in 2016, 
I was on record as having said I want the Overwatch League to succeed, even though I despise many of the people involved in it, uh, the ethos behind it, and certainly the fan base who just uh, essentially morons that know nothing about esports who just want to jerk off defeat picks. So, but it but it must succeed despite all of those things being true. I love the trajectory of that sentence, by the way. That was... But anyway, in 2021, I don't think it needs to succeed anymore. I've, talk, I've talked to a lot of owners and a lot of investors and a lot of esports minds that can now see the difference between Overwatch League representing all of esports and esports as a multi-layered, multifaceted ecosystem and Overwatch League being an aberration within that. Um, so I actually think if it completely falls on its ass, I don't think the esports industry is going to be sort of harmed in that. In fact, you know, in, in any real meaningful sense, like I think it would have been at 2016 where we had multiple investments occurring all at once and it looked like it was all part of the same plan. So what do you guys think about that? Do we need to still pull for the overwatch league i think i think you know maybe maybe that does end up being the legacy for the the league in, in that it does finally separate esports into different things like you're saying and and it's not just esports as a whole it's this game it's that game it's it's industries around games rather than the entire industry overall you know maybe that ends up being the place for it and you know i more than anything you know we got into this monty and i obviously because we we believed in the the concept of what it was trying to do and we thought it was really cool and we wanted it to work out and we knew it could be great for the industry if it worked out was it a massive chance to take yeah for sure and it might uh, it might not end up working out but you know at the end of the day i i am i don't want the league to fail but at the very least i want to make sure that uh, everything is being done so that if it does it does as little harm as possible or at least provides like you're saying a you know good cautionary example of how things should be done that will then later benefit the industry so that could be it i i hope it succeeds um i've i've kind of always been positive about it despite being negative about i try to keep my negativity about the individuals that cause negative things to happen rather than the concept that i believed in the in the first place and i still believe in you know so but yeah that that might be the case you know who knows we'll we'll see i guess i guess time will tell you know we'll meet back in two years and we'll we'll find out <laughs> I, I think that's optimistic if you think we're talking about the Overwatch League in two years. Uh, well, no, Dude, we might uh, we might be talking about years. the sad yeah. press release. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I mean, I think that when when we think about Overwatch League, it's it's obviously like the the way the fans want to portray, like not fans, the way the anti fans want to portray it is like, haha, look at this thing that has shifted and has changed expectations. And it was kind of ridiculous to start with, which we've all, we've all touched on sure. in this, in this podcast. But I think you also have to really look at what it did do for the broader industry, which is that like it or not, it did bring a lot more professional sports teams. It brought enormous investment attention, which has benefited other esports directly because sure. these investors who were investing for for teams in Overwatch League, um, you know, some of them didn't invest in Overwatch League, right? And so, but they did pay attention to esports after that point and make their investments elsewhere into other teams and other games, which it was helpful for the industry. Or they invested into orgs that then branched out into other games, right? Um, or had all existing stakes in other games and kind of fortified their positions. One thing that Overwatch League has always done extremely well is sell sponsorships. And I think that we have seen a, a kind of chain reaction of one of the big problems prior to Overwatch League 
was getting non-endemic sponsors into the industry. And what tends to happen in sponsorship is that when you have one major player, like a car manufacturer, like Toyota, enter a, the, the, a sponsorship space, what happens is all of their competitors also enter the space and start spending money because they're trying to compete in that market now and they, they, they have FOMO, right? And so we have seen a significant uptick in non-endemic sponsorship interest as a result of Activision Blizzard's uh, you know, pull and their, their PR splash that they made in the space. And so even though on an Overwatch League level, perhaps those sponsorships are down, the, the, the sponsors remain, right? Like Toyota is still here, even though they don't sponsor Overwatch League anymore. So there has been positive stuff. And this isn't like the worst case, in, to answer your question, Richard, I think that if, if Overwatch League were to quietly retire now, I don't think it would do damage to the industry because they avoided the Thelma and Louise driving over the cliff. And so, <laughs> you know, like it really- That's how I always thought me and Thorin were gonna go out with eatboss actually. So that's, that's a There's wonderful analogy. You know? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the so, way, I have I have something to say on the topic of like, you know, this thing of like people moving investments elsewhere. And now they know the model of buying a team and a franchise and stuff. That's something I think is intensely negative because what I found from that is even the people I thought were savvy in esports are just followers sniffing the arse of the other dog. That's all they're doing. They're at the dog park and everyone's sniffing their own arse. So what happened is all of them decided Overwatch League, it has to be the Overwatch League. That's the future, the future of the Overwatch League. While simultaneously going, I mean PUBG, I mean, wait a second, I said Fortnite. I said Apex, well, no, Fortnite again. And then they all of a sudden, then they're like, wait a minute, Overwatch League? No, no, I mean CDL is where I'm putting all my money. So I just came from a, a project called Flashpoint where the buy-in was only $2 million spread over many years. In theory, the rev share was all great, etc. These owners did not buy players. They just refused to buy the talent and the team. It's like we started with all the Shanghai Dragons and the fucking LA Valiant team now, etc. Like, we didn't, we never even got the good teams to, for season one. So personally, I view that as an intense negative that now the guys who are the owners aren't right. Well, I enjoy Counter-Strike as a top competitive game. I think it represents what I want the industry to represent. I like the fact it's an open game when the developer doesn't intrude and now I can even own part of my own league they don't go right so now I'll start applying my smarts and in the same way I built my org up to this massive org valued at hundreds of millions by my friends at Forbes and whoever else it might be allegedly Instead of just doing that, what I'll do is I'll just say, right, what's the hot thing now then? Pump all the money and take all the money out of everything that I liked, chuck it into that. So if it's not CDL today, it'll be something tomorrow. It'll be on Watch League 2 I mean, or whatever it'll be. The problem with that is that it's really the investors. So what's so stupid about the way that the esports industry works right now is that when, when teams periodically go for more venture capital funding, right? Uh, when they're taking these meetings, whatever game is hot at the time is what these investment bankers are asking about. So they're like, don't you have a Fortnite team? And like the teams know that Fortnite is fundamentally unwatchable, right? But they have to just go out and get Fortnite stars and prove that they are in this game because the investors are demanding it. And or Valorant, when Valorant was released, right? And they had the Sounds huge, like you don't have the right class of investors, Monty. Like I like investors like this. I like this space and I'm very interested in it. So can I buy it? I don't just come along like, all right, what are you running here, little corner shop? You got any of them Fortnites in? They're, they're fucking Moorish, they are. Like, what is that? That's, Hey, that guy doesn't even care about esports. I'm just telling you what happens. I'm just telling yeah. you that the, the teams make these moves because their investors or their boards are like, what is the flavor of the month right now? We must invest all of our money into this new title. And the, here's, here's the truth of esports. It is 
I would love to have the power to predict what the next big esport is going to be. If you had, if we could roll back the clock to 2009 when League of Legends was released, you would never have guessed that League of Legends would have been the MOBA that would have survived, right? I, I actually, one of my most famous fuck ups of all time, Monty, uh, was I said, like, oh, just like Heroes of New Earth, League of Legends is just, you know, sort of keeping everyone warm until Dota 2 arrives and pops off. I remember <laughs> when D Man and Joe Miller came to an iSeries in the UK and all the old boys were all getting around for a beer. They turned up because Riot Games back at the start, you know, they were like the fucking, you know, uh, people who went to greet the conquistadors. They brought that, they brought gifts to everyone. And we all know how that story ends. But anyway, they, they were like, so they, 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 they were super nice to everybody at the start, you know. And so Joe Miller and D-Man, who Joe Miller was a Counter-Strike legend, D-Man was a Call of Duty legend, they turned up to an iSeries wearing League of Legends t-shirts and giving out, like, skin codes and stuff. Yep. And, I, and I was going, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you'll take money <laughs> off anyone, you fucking shills. And we were sat down having a beer later on, and, I, and they were going, no, we really like the game, and we're going to cast it. I yeah. think it's going to be big. And I laughed in their faces. And of course, they... <laughs> <laughs> they they definitely had the last laugh there. I completely misread. Because you've got to remember, 2009 League of Legends was shite. It was absolute well, garbage. What, it was a uh, jank. So they only had, to be fair, they didn't have the last laugh. They had a laugh on the way to whatever happened now. I'm just saying. <laughs> have a look. Everyone pause a second and think about the two people. Like, that's it. I'll keep going. So, keep going. so I so I have a, I'll, I'll add a little 2011 story. Uh, to, no, 2012 story to that actually with League of Legends, where that because that was still right before it really hit. Right, it was yep. season two worlds. I feel like where it really really hit. But so right before that, uh, I was at IPL, which is a grand adventure in itself. But we did IPL three um, in Atlantic City, and we had the StarCraft two finals packed venue everyone going crazy and all that league legends finals there there were literally like 14 people and half of them were asleep and i remember like all of us starcraft cast would be like oh lol league of legends like people think that game is going to be big and then like by the end of the year i was casting it myself and like it was <laughs> it was so yeah league league didn't look like it was going to do that at first but and, and think, about the, think about this too fortnite was a tower defense game that had a mod on top of it that became and the mod like counter-strike became the actual like huge blow-up game so my right. point is you just never know what the fuck yeah, the next ga big game is going to be and if you if you look at valorant like the numbers that they had during the release were absolutely record-breaking shattering numbers and it's not that the the esports e scene is doing badly right now but it's not what you would expect given those numbers let's put it that way right it's yeah. you know it'll take a few years to find its legs most likely but it's going to be an uphill battle for the esports side of valorant when it's compared to you know other games in its genre like counter-strike it's it seems mm -hmm. unlikely it's going to reach those numbers but who knows you know that's the whole point is like even we the experts who have been here and seen the rise and fall of esports it is impossible for us to predict which new esport is going to be absolutely massive you just got to keep an eye out and 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 furthermore you just got to do what you like find a game that you enjoy you know is what i always say the most but, you know, <laughs> yeah. then again, i mean living from it. it just to put it in context how crazy esports is and how it is like you have to be a savant to even come close <laughs> to being able to read the lay of the lands we have an entire genre of esports which actually rose to be the largest at one point even though it's debatable whether it was ever truly an esport or not because nobody could make a good fucking zombie game and, and that's literally how battle royale mm. got started you know it's yep. like <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We couldn't make a good Daisy. zombie game. So everyone was running around shooting each other in DayZ. Then they were like, why don't we just make that the mode? They have a standalone mode where it's just that. Then H1Z1 comes along and on and on it mm -hmm. goes till you get Fortnite. How the fuck can anyone predict that shit?
You know, the real irony, by the way, is that the one person I can guarantee doesn't get first dibs at the next big eSport is the current developer who's got the current biggest eSport. Because here's where they all don't understand what Monty just explained. If they understood what the actual genesis of the games is, which has come from grassroots, essentially, Mods. what you would do is you would allow modding of your games. And what you would mm. do if you were clever, I, I guarantee someone at Blizzard every day wakes up and looks in the mirror and goes, you dumb son of a bitch. You could have had what League of Legends and Dota 2 is <laughs> at Blizzard. Forget Heroes of the Storm. So basically, you should allow mods and you should just manage them. Not literally. I mean, as in just keep an eye on them. And then when you see one start to take off, you don't then have to come in like Riot has done like 50 times. You guys just don't know because they don't release the games and go, hey, we're totally late to the party, but make the same type of game as the one that's popping off now. And in about two years, it'll be ready. You don't have to be that idiot. You could be the guy who's like, wait a minute, this is starting to pop off. How about, oh, wait, it is my game. I actually have if you don't know, literally the rights to the game. Like, if people don't know, Counter-Strike wasn't made by Valve, but it was made with the SDK, so guess what? It's our mm. game now, mate. So you, know, you can even just take the game. I so, mean, just to, so, just to be fair, Duncan, as well, though, like, uh, you know, the whole simulation capsizes if Riot Games have an original idea. So don't fucking, <laughs> don't, do not pray for that, whatever you do. So, I think this is a, I would love to do a separate show where this is a debate topic, which is the biggest <laughs> competitive gaming developer fuck up in history. Is it as follows, okay? Blizzard fucking up MOBAs and not jumping on the MOBA train. Is it Riot <clears throat> failing to develop a mobile version of League of Legends and having Tencent make Arena of Valor or whatever it's called in America instead, right? Mm. Or is it DayZ not capitalizing on Battle Royale and just letting like PUBG, like literally the guy, the same guy, go create his own company with PUBG at Blue Hole and PUBG Corp and then Fortnite taking those genres and making I've got them another one for like, you. You want to chuck oh, yeah, it all on right. the shortlist? This is one yeah. no one ever thinks about. Valve not giving a flying fuck about how people play video games in Asia. And so just thinking that people would go to a land cafe as a 12-year-old kid in China. That's true. Sit, sit with all their friends playing, I don't know, fucking Path of Exile or League of Legends or something, and go, oh, I've never heard of Steam, but I've... But I guess if I just intuit into the ether, there's a brilliant game called Counter-Strike. So if I get Steam, download it, buy the game like an American kid would, install it. I've got no one to play with. Ping will be shit and all the cheaters are in the servers. They didn't understand, right, that League of Legends doesn't succeed off being an awesome game. It succeeds off everyone in the world wanting to play it. I've always said the number one success of League was that everyone plays it, every country, every region. And when I watch some of these people, like the Vision Strikers guy now in Valorant, and everyone's going, wow, have you seen this player called Glow? I watched him play in fucking CS 1.6 in 2010. They could have been in CSGO at a big level if you'd actually understood the fucking game. Because if Valorant has any foothold in those countries you are the dumbest sons of bitches of all time because yeah you made loads of money that's why I hate these DM devs because they never lose what they get to do is go right well I had a Ferrari and I beat a fucking Ford Fiesta so I'm a brilliant driver and so you had a Ferrari you idiot you're supposed to set like a record with that well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll also just add as well, like they didn't do the the Asian stuff, so they let sudden attack and crossfire exist, where it could have all been Counter Strike yep. in Asia. Supposedly, yep. even CS Online, which is the Chinese modified yeah, version of one point six, yeah. 
was still existing a few years ago and had more money being made off the skins in it than anything in CSGO I heard at the time. So, like, yeah, that would that's one that's, like, low-key because it's a sleeper. I'll put yeah. that against anything, mate. That one's a mad one in the side. I'm, I'm also still waiting for the million-dollar artifact tournament, which, uh, you know, let me know. Wake me up when that comes rolling around, right? You know? Do you know what the irony is, by the way? No one saw this, and I, the, the story had passed, so I didn't do the obvious Twitter banger. How did no one stop and think, wait a minute, so they were going to have the first ever real LAN in Valorant, but what fucked it up was an element of the terrain which was a volcano. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love I love that. The idea of a LAN inside a volcano is fucking perfect. Because if people don't know, spots, like, volcano there. is <laughs> the person who made a map in CSGO, yeah. source yeah. technically, and then came into Valorant and every player who didn't even play the game yet, never played the game, didn't exist, when it's going to be amazing, especially the maps, because volcanoes in it. And the one thing you cannot say about Valorant is that the maps are really good. I can't <laughs> handle you guys. I can't Get me out of the Matrix. I I don't want to stay and have steak anymore. I'll go for the gruel on the fucking Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, if you want to play tank in Overwatch League, it's really easy to get to that queue right now. Yeah. <laughs> Always welcome. All right. Well, I think that's a topic for a future show. Do we have any, any final thoughts? I do think that, that the biggest fuck up in competitive gaming esports would be a fire show, though, because there's 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 some really good like nuances to that's get into hours that. hours of debate right there. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> so anyway... Doha, thanks for coming on this episode of The Four Horsemen. Uh, My pleasure. <laughs> I, I, while there wasn't a lot of optimism about this, I feel like Doha are optimistic about the future. Uh, Richard well, and Thorin, uh, not so much. Yeah, but I, I'll just add to that we point. We need both right? sides. Like, I, like, yeah, I'll just add to that point, right? It's not even that, like, I mean, it, it, right. If I felt that Activision Blizzard weren't greedy pieces of manipulative shit. I think they could let Overwatch League scale down and let Overwatch scale down. And maybe you get rid of the Overwatch League, but you come back to working with people like ESL to run tournaments. And, you know, maybe the Blast wants to do a tournament or some TO that you like and work with. Hell, I mean, you acquired MLG and then did fuck all with it and actively stopped the geniuses behind MLG producing the Activision Blizzard, uh, you know, esports products. So, you know, not too optimistic about that. But if they would do that, yes, I think you can have a nice little quiet esport where all the foot fetishists and fucking furries and weebs can all just enjoy it and oh there's winston in the bath or whatever you know right like the winston with that yeah and you can you can you can you can have that right but the problem is Activision Blizzard will not fucking support that because it doesn't make them any money. It generates nothing but goodwill. And Bobby Kotick can't fucking swim in a fucking bath full of goodwill, but he can of your dollars, right? So that's why it will die. It is simply because they will not allow it to scale down and exist on a permanent basis as sort of a monument to their great failure. They'll actively shut it down. They'll actively stop supporting it. And it is going to come after Overwatch 2. That is a last minute cash grab that is like that is running for the lifeboat on the titanic that is all that is and anybody that doesn't believe that let's let's watch this let's run this fucking vod back in two years i don't think it's going to happen because i think they can make it sustainable and i think that shutting down the league would be a blow to bobby kotick's ego at the level of which mm. it, cdl basically... makes cdl insulates him against that that's true that that's is true um, all, all i'll say is that you could 100% be correct with that, but I hope you're not.
What they should do is get US taxpayer money, which everyone loves to give out because you're all begging for your own money from the government. You should get US taxpayer money and convince the government that they have to give more to the Overwatch League to bring American jobs back home. Cut corn subsidies. We need esports subsidies. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> which is more important, auto industry in Detroit or getting those LA Valiant players back where they belong? <laughs> yeah, true, true. I'd, I'd, I'd drop a stimmy for that. Like. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks for joining us, Doug. This is the second episode of the Four Horsemen. Uh, you guys know the summoning ritual now. Hit us up on Twitter if you want things. Now, here's the thing about this show. We're not going to react immediately. There are gonna, always going to be spicy topics. We wait until inform enough information comes out to have an intelligent discussion about a subject, not to just give the latest fucking hot take that's out there without any kind of context or perspective. Okay? So, we give it a little room to breathe. We wait for some more announcements to come out, and that's that's when we'll we'll consider doing this once the drama mounts enough. Again, I hope we never have to do this show again. We'll probably do this show a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, see, see, see you Monday, mate. <laughs> see you Monday. So uh, thanks, guys, for, for joining us. Uh, obviously, subscribe, follow the channels. We'll be here on the Insight on Esports, and uh, we'll see you next time. Till then.